Hey, episode 184. It's Mitch Unfiltered. Remember me? It's Hotshot Scott. It's Mitch Unfiltered, which is available on all major podcast platforms. I'm supposed to say that. Rate and review us on Apple. If you don't mind, give us a five-star rating. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. We need new Mitch Unfiltered patrons because we're losing them left and right. (laughs) I'll explain. I saw saw one tweet. (laughs) The bonus shows, Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, the music entries, all comes your way for $5 a month. And we need new ones because Greg has left us. I saw saw that. Yeah, Greg. Quote, dear Mitch, I had to cancel my patron membership, hopefully temporarily, because I didn't want to listen to you gloat about the Zags. Yes, that's the sole reason. (laughs) And here's what I would say. If you're going to cancel your membership temporarily because you don't want to listen to me gloat about the Zags, why not just listen, not listen to those shows and come back in a week or two and yeah. continue on. Or, Why do you have to cancel your memory? You can just not. No one's forcing you to listen. But he, are they? But he's suggesting that the entire patron show will be all <laughs> pissing on the Zags. Which it I'm okay. It might be. <laughs> I'm okay just with fast that. forward. All he has to do is not listen at all. Right. Just yeah. Uh, yeah. Why are we canceling? And as as people know, it's it's not. Brett's got to go to college in a couple of years. I can't have people canceling because That's the right. Zags lost. Now the now the weasel is costing me money. Is That's that right. right? It continues, doesn't it? I see. And it's not your or my style to gloat no. over something like that at all, right? I mean, that's not our personality. I don't know what he's talking about. Ah, goodbye. Oh, it just go pisses Zags. Zags fans off. It oh, did. they're very sensy poos. And I've right. noticed that people who oh. who love Gonzaga. Can't can't respond without mentioning the Huskies or whatever oh, yeah, team you root yeah, for. Yeah. There's it's not possible. I've yet to see anyone reply to someone without mentioning the team it's that you root deal. for. Well, the Huskies haven't been. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we're talking about Gonzaga. Why are the Huskies involved here? See, what's different about Gonzaga now is five or seven years ago. Yeah, they were always really good, but they were kind of overachievers. They were good because of the system. Sure. And now in the last few years. It's not just the system. No. They're getting the greatest high school players in the country to come to Spokane, which is unbelievable. They're getting the greatest international players yeah. to come to Spokane, which isn't good. It's no longer kind of a Cinderella story. It's a team that's chock full of McDonald's All-American. This guy, Chet Holmgren, is going to be the number one right. pick in the draft. And they had two lottery picks, I think, last With year. Suggs, maybe. Yeah. And, yeah. This is no longer. No, they're good, good. Oh, they're, they're Duke, <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> yeah, right. good. They're so good. now when they lose in the Sweet 16, right. it's kind of fun like when John Calipari loses right. in That's the Sweet right. 16. Yeah. It's fun. If Duke were to it's lose fun. in the Sweet 16, people are going to love on, it. Come on, become a patron. Enjoy. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> But the no. University of Washington, you guys have real room to talk. Yeah, exactly. Every time. Every time it's that. Yeah, okay, fine. We had the same amount of national championships. Leave me oh, alone. God. I, I didn't even really gloat. All I said was that there's a meme of Shaq doing a little happy dance, and I just sent the little meme of Did Shaq. You? Yeah. Oh, I didn't say anything. I didn't say but a lot of people agreed with me. Apparently, there's it's like 50, not 50, but there's a lot of people who can't stand Gonzaga. And I don't think there's anybody them. who's middle. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No one. Yeah. I have a little gif that I keep in my phone for yeah. occasions like this. Yeah. yeah. It's a little weasel that comes out of a hole. Oh, nice. He looks around, <laughs> then he goes back into his hole. Yeah, yeah. People don't like it when I do that. Oh, they don't, do yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, no. So I guess I want to ask you, Mr. Yes. College Basketball. Is, is there a chance uh, that Mark uh, Few? What? I don't know. <laughs> is there a chance that Mark Few could... Not this year, but kind of be on the hot seat. No. If this happens Zero. again next year? No. 
Because he you're saying it? he's getting these great no, recruits. No, 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 no. So now never, expect- ever, okay. ever, right. ever, ever, hot seat, warm seat, lukewarm okay. seat. Never, ever, ever. Okay. Well, I just wonder because you no. tell me he's getting all these McDonald's all American. Doesn't matter. It's Gonzaga. It's still Gonzaga, and he still is making it to Sweet 16s oh, and Elite 8s and National Championship games. Yeah. Not like he's not going to the tournament. I mean, he's get, he's he's a one seed every single right. year. Yeah. No, no. Okay, yeah. I just wonder. The seat will never ever hmm. be anything but cold underneath him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, just wondering. By the way, I'm a big Husky supporter. You know, Friday I went to the Husky softball game. I got to tell you about this. I went to the Husky softball game. First time ever on You've Friday. You've never been to a softball game at the University of Washington? I had not, shamefully. Okay. It was awesome. One of the great programs it was, in all of college yeah. sports. I didn't right? know they were 11th in the country. Are they? Yep. Yeah. They played UCLA, who's third yeah. in the country. Yep. Yeah. I saw your pal Elise Woodward walking around, who yeah. must just live there, because when she's not doing games, she just shows up and watches games, I guess. I think she wants to play, but they won't let her. <laughs> she still has eligibility, does she? <laughs> yes. So I'm, I, I got I to gotta run something by you here, because okay. I, I think your brain works kind of like mine sometimes. Uh-oh. Not often. No, I hope not. <laughs> they have a shortstop named Bailey Klingler, okay? Klingler? Now, your brain does work like mine sometimes. Wait, hold on. Klingler? With a K. As in David? Well... I'm thinking to myself, Klingler, you don't hear that name a lot. She's got a good arm, obviously. Can't be. So then I, I, I'm thinking, uh, so then no, I, I finally be. pull up her bio because it's bothering me. Can't be. You're not going to tell me she's from Houston, Texas. From Houston, Texas, Bailey Klingler. <laughs> really? So now I got to dig in. Is, no. the, <laughs> is the uh, third baseman Andrea Ware? That's right, exactly. So now, now, I, now I have to know. Now I, I got to read oh, everything. It's got to be now. So now I'm it reading. It went from it can't be to it's got to be. Exactly. With Houston being the hometown. Got to be. So now I'm looking gotta and be. Bailey Klingler is not the daughter of David Klingler. Niece. She is the niece, niece. of David oh, Klingler. I that. I and now, now all you got to do is call me. I know, I know the whole story. <laughs> big Bailey Klingler fan. <laughs> but now, now I can sleep that night. Now everything makes sense in the world. I knew it. I knew there had to be a relation. Hotshot, uh, I know you're a big Netflix fan. Have you ever heard of The Adam Project? Ah, it sounds familiar. Hey, Mitch, can you get a message? This is an email. Hey, Mitch, can you, and you want to email me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Hey, Mitch, can you get a message to your buddy at Zeke's Pizza? The wife and I are watching The Adam Project on Netflix, starring Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, and Jennifer Garner. Okay. Pretty good cast. No kidding. In an early scene, maybe 14-minute mark, not exactly sure, Ryan Reynolds rummages through the kitchen and opens an empty pizza box, and it's Zeke's Pizza. Whoa. Placement of props is always intentional. Nothing is ever accidental. Would love to hear what the connection is between Zeke's and this first-run movie. Keep up the good work. Appreciate what you do. Have a good night. That was nice. Is he referring to Dan Black? Dan Black. Yeah, no, I've I've seen the Adam Project on Netflix, but I just I have it's 2022. It came out. There's so much content. I can't I can't watch everything. So there's this newfangled thing you can do with email. <laughs> yeah. It's called forwarding. I hit a I hit a little button that says forward. Oh, is that right? And then I I forwarded Eric's email right yeah. to Dan Black. Oh, that's nice of you. Who responded fairly promptly. And he said, in this case, it was quote accidental. We didn't know anything about it until the movie dropped a couple of weeks ago and our phones started blowing up. So just coincidentally. Whoa. In a movie on Netflix, Crazy. Ryan Reynolds has got a Zeke's Pizza Box. That's unbelievable. That's, that's weird. Yes, it is weird. Very weird. I was I gonna. I, I was actually gonna say, have you watched The Bad Vegan on Netflix? 
I don't know what that is. I know. See, there's. I don't even shows. know how to watch Netflix. We haven't. I don't even know how to watch. <laughs> By I the don't. way, are you enjoying your your voice command? Have you been doing the voice command on the remote? I have not done it since we did it on uh, last on the last show. But yeah, really, I thought you loved it. I haven't needed it. I know where all the channels that I want to watch. Oh, are. I see. Yeah, but even if you, but know, my it's wife fun. did say, Mitchell. She doesn't call me Mitch. Mitchell. Do you want to watch the something swindler that you brought oh, up on the show? Tinder swindler. The Tinder swindler. Yes. Somebody who uh, took millions and millions of money oh, uh, dollars so away from old ladies or no, old, no, 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 no. The opposite. Opposite men. No, no. It was one guy who would date these really attractive younger women. Oh. And she and the, uh, these women all thought that he had his that he was the heiress to a diamond fortune or something, <laughs> and so. It was a lot Why of. Why would they give? Well, it was a lot of a lot of hard luck stories. Hey, I, I got detained. I can't have access to my money. Can you wire me thirty grand? By the way, I told Piper if anyone wants to borrow more than three hundred dollars in your lifetime, they're out. No, yeah, if you find yourself really? wiring ten, where, where do you come up with three hundred? I don't know, but if, if mine's ten, these people are wiring. <laughs> yeah, these people are wiring like forty five grand. It was like, really? Yes, it's crazy. They almost deserve to be taken. Taken in a way. No, no, like, they don't. But the, I that's was, terrible for me to say. The sorry. bad uh, bad vegan is the same story about some more of this right. other ripoff artist like netflix is doing a great job hey with mitch i just finished episode 183 and i was wondering if you have considered or might consider a weekly mariners note table for the patrons my oh my would that be awesome did you do that on the radio show weekly um, we did it on the last show. On the last episode, we had a Mariners notate. No, I know. I'm just wondering, did you ever do one with that sort of frequency when you were no, on I the don't radio? No, I don't think the Mariners we... were ever good enough to, to <laughs> rationalize. Fine, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so maybe you would have, though. I'm just wondering so if on that's the, on the last. I thought, it, I, well, here's the thing. I, I don't want to say this too loud. I'll say it softer. Okay. We did a Mariners note table on episode 183. Loved it. You listened to it? I was excited. I'm, this is the really? most excited I've been for the Mariners in a long really? time. Yeah, I loved They it. were good. It's Corey Bro Well, this particular note table was Corey Brock of The Athletic. Yeah. And this guy, Jason Churchill. Yes, I've heard who of does pro I, I don't know much about Jason Churchill. I know the name for many years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him very well, but I've had him on a couple times. And he seems to really know his Mariners and yeah. has very spirited opinions. What I didn't realize is how controversial this guy is. Oh, I really? I totally had no idea that I guess on Twitter he gets into it with people. And if people like... <laughs> Really? Differ to his opinion. He yeah. he says nasty. I don't know if he says nasty. I haven't seen examples of this, but people were like, when I when I was promoting episode 183 on Twitter, and I would yeah. say, hey, we have a Mariner's note table. I hope you like it. It's Jason Churchill. And I'm getting like, Jason Churchill, I'm out. Really? Yeah, like, you, do you not know what, how Jason Churchill handles his social media? Do you not know oh, this? Much? Like, I, I was Like, I felt terrible that I didn't know that apparently there is some sort of controversial oh. situation between Jason Churchill and his followers, or lack thereof. I, I just know. know that he and Sandmeyer are buddies. I think yes, they did a show Sandmeyer together. Yes, he and are buddies, yeah. So if he's good enough and for Sandmeyer, And I think he's great on the me. show. Yeah. I just didn't realize everybody hates him. I, well, I, not everybody, but I like that, that he and Corey completely disagreed on... on Whether uh, Julio Rodriguez yeah. is going to be on the opening day. That was good. Yeah, because yeah, you could have... I liked it. I enjoyed yeah. it. So what? what's the verdict? Is I don't know. Churchill out? I don't know what to do. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm losing listeners over Gonzaga. Now Jason Jason Churchill. I'm going to be down to two. That's right, yeah. Dear Mitch, this is an interesting one. I have been trying to understand my feelings around Russ getting traded, and then I was reminded of a picture of Russ and Sierra in the latex Missy Elliott suit. Yeah. Do you know anything about sure. that? Sure, great video, yeah. Do you know anything about him and 
Sierra yeah. recreating it? I don't yeah. know. Okay, help, fill me in before I go on with the email. Because I, I, this first sentence, I had no idea what he was talking about. Well, Missy Elliott wears this. She's a singer? Rapper, yes. Rapper, okay. Wears this. She's great, by the way. Okay. I love a lot of her songs. Okay. Um, she has this enormous like what latex suit i don't know she wears it in like uh, in one of her like videos tight fitting no it's hers is the opposite it's like big and it's like billowy oh. it's weird oh. looking okay yeah but, but what did russell wilson and sierra do they they wore but russ and sierra wear stupid outfits all the time all that's the time. one of like a that's million what they do. that's one of their things that's one of their things yeah so this guy goes on to say tell me if you agree with this we never loved a rod in seattle he was never really one of us it never would have surprised any of us if he showed up on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a latex suit. It seems like Russell Wilson always had a little bit of that, if not a lot. A-Rod and Russell have a lot of similarities. They were inarguably at the top of their professions when they actually left Seattle. And for as much as they wanted to be loved, I don't think they ever felt, either A-Rod or Russell, the love that they thought that they deserved. I'm sure there are more things they have in common, but you get it. From Austin, Texas, Nick. Last time I said this about Russell was that I think the common thread with him and A-Rod is that there just seems like a robotic phoniness with both of them. And people killed me for saying that. They did? Oh, God, they got so pissed at me. Oh, like saying it on, on the show? Russell Wilson's one of the greatest On the show they got pissed at you? Yeah, I said it on the show, and then on Twitter so, they were coming after so me. So don't say it again. <laughs> That's true. Well, this isn't a patron show. <laughs> Jesus. I know, but I'm not saying he's not a great quarterback. I can't afford to keep losing listeners. <laughs> he's my favorite quarterback of all time. Leave me alone. But there is a phone. Oh, he is? Well, how could he not be? But the team I root for, he took him to the Super Bowl and he won did. it. He's not my favorite quarterback well, yeah, of all well, time. You didn't grow up here. I sat through a lot of <laughs> shitty seasons. Um, so, so, yeah, I just think there's a phoniness a- that goes through. Yeah, of course. I see that. Yeah. But I, I've always, the A-Rod thing has always been weird to me. Griffey essentially forced his way out of town. And he could not be more beloved beloved by the by fans. And not only forced his way out of town, then quit in the middle of the night and didn't tell anybody right. and drove off the second time around. Right. And there's a Remember statue. That? Yeah. Call, didn't he call from like a gas station right. like in Nebraska? I'm on my way home. Right. I forgot to tell you guys. I'm yeah, out. just took off. Yeah. And there's a statue. Yeah. A-Rod just left for more money. Everybody hates him. I never really understood that. You think it's the phoniness like in public? Yeah. Just like seems... interviews and there's just a... Yeah, a little bit of a contrived phoniness. I, but, you know, fine. I, I don't begrudge them for doing that. I would probably say nothing, too, because I wouldn't want to have to deal with everyone on Twitter for being uh, controversial. So I don't begrudge them, but I, I could see the comparison. Let's start the show before we lose all of our listeners. <laughs> Guests, Eldridge. Or Ka- Do you know Eldridge or Kasner? Did you know him at all? Most of my childhood, I thought that Bob Rondo was saying there was a basket made by Rick Asner. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no idea it was his name was Eldridge. You Rick started Asner. looking up to see if he was related to Ed Asner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. They don't look alike. <laughs> I'll so, save you the time. I thought it was Rick Asner my whole life until like, and I don't know. I, I, I never met Eldridge. You don't know him at all. We never uh, crossed paths. No, he is just so fun to be around. Is he? He's just one of these guys who lights up the room yeah. and is irreverent and doesn't have much of a filter mm-hmm. and laughs real loud. He's just a really jovial, fun guy. He's now on the Pac-12 network. Anyway, he and I have always had a good thing whenever we're on the show. He used to guest host when like people would go on vacation. Yeah. There was always somebody on vacation at KJR. Always, yeah. so he would guest host with okay. me, and we'd have fun for a week or whatever. He's on the show. He's going to talk about the Final Four. He played, obviously, three-time All-Pac-10 player at yeah. Washington. Played for Lynn Nance, didn't he? He did. 
He also played in the NBA for eight or ten years. Yeah, yeah we had him on um, when the when the Jordan thing dropped. When the Jordan, thing. yeah, he was great. He had some great insight. Remember, remember the the what was that called? Um, the Last Dance. Yeah, was he on for that? I think we had him on for that. Today. I know he was on for the Kobe thing too. Okay. Anyway, he'll talk about the Final Four. It's in New Orleans, his hometown. Um, he'll talk about the U Dub. He's got stories to tell. Great. He's always a, he's always a good guest. Love it. We probably shouldn't lose a lot of listeners for him. <laughs> okay. uh, former PGA player Ken Green, kind of controversial. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about Phil, Ma- Phil Mickelson. The story came out that it looks like he's not playing in the Masters. Oh, Everybody's speculating. Did the Masters tell him to stay away? Did the PGA tell him to stay away? Interesting. He's been, we think he's been suspended by the PGA Tour. Well, no one was suspended more than Ken Green right. <laughs> during his days as a player. So I figured, why not get sure. the guy who knows all about being suspended? He knows the process and who calls oh, you and yeah. <laughs> where you send Drinking the money. Drinking on the golf course. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Uh, he's got some in- incredible stories to tell. And then a guy by the name of Ryan Hansen. Okay. You don't know the name Ryan Hansen. Well, I do. Because we're friends with one of his friends. Is I, that true? Kenny Byersdorf? Correct. Because he said something to me about Kenny Byersdorf when I was recording with him. Yes, that's he how says, I know Kenny the name. Kenny B says hello. I was like, where, where does <laughs> yeah. that come from? <laughs> yeah. I think they so both, you know who he is. I think he might have gone to Do Auburn. Do you know his story? Too. No, I don't. So Ryan Hansen is the head coach of... Auburn. Auburn, who won the 3A state title. Correct. And they now have since been invited to the national championship wow. in Tampa to represent the state of Washington. And we're talking basketball, everybody. Auburn basketball yep. a couple of weeks ago at the Tacoma Dome. Yep. It was thought that Garfield was going to win the 3A. A Metro team always wins the 3A. Yeah. In fact, they had won nine in a row going into this year. And Auburn kind of was really good. Yeah. Beat Garfield in the quarterfinals and then went on to win it. Well, this guy's got a, a pretty fun story. He grew up in Leavenworth. Okay. When he graduated from a school called Cascadia or Cascade High School in Leavenworth, he re- he uh, he graduated as the all-time leading scorer in state basketball history. This guy. Wow. Was number one amongst all... Uh, what's the guy at Mercer? Quinn Snyder. All, yeah, right. Number Mark one... Pope, sc- all of them. Number one scorer in the state of Washington okay. when he... When he graduated his senior year he went on he went on to play at eastern washington university okay he was a double digit scorer his senior year at ewu and then he played around wherever and then he settled back down and he's become the head coach of auburn and he's going to join us to talk about his team not only winning the 3a state championship but he's known for a 55 a 55 footer that he made really? in a college game, yeah, to win a game. Down one, he made a 55-footer to win. He was the play wow. of the night on ESPN. Wow. Now he's the coach of Auburn. He's Kenny B's friend. That's right, yes. By the way, yeah, Auburn and Garfield played a, a kind of a weird out-of-conference game early in the year, and yes. Auburn lost. Very and, good. And Kenny, I like your knowledge. Kenny B's telling me, but before the season starts, this team's winning state. I have to hear it from Kenny. you gotta, yeah. you got to see these guys. Trey Blassing Game, I think is his name. Yeah. So Auburn then loses to Garfield. I'm like, okay, Kenny, they look pretty good, but Garfield's, but then they get the rematch in the playoffs That's right. and get the win. That's yeah, what exactly a, right. What a cool story for them. It's right. really awesome that they got a chance to redeem themselves. And now they're going to play on ESPN Love in it. April. Wow. We can watch them play. That is so they're cool. They're playing against the 7A state champion of Georgia. Woo. We had we had this before with a football game. Yeah. Right? This is kind of a new thing, isn't it? It's <laughs> Georgia really... versus Washington. It's a big rivalry, <laughs> really, Georgia-Washington. It's such a cool thing, though, but after you win state, you're not done. Because I mean, you love your team, you love your teammates. Like yeah. you don't want it to end. No, nope. it's so cool that you no. get one more, one more game. So there you go. Guess Eldridge Kasner, former PGA player Ken Green on what it's like being suspended, <laughs> and Ryan Hansen, the head coach of the Auburn 
Trojans? Trojans. Thank you. It's very good. So let's begin with our partners, our sponsors, before we officially start episode 184. Like Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of our Beat the Boys March Madness pool. As of the moment, heading into the Final Four, only nine winners. Thanks to Steve, the producer. Greg Minahan has a one-point lead for the grand prize. Begin your search for fireplaces and garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Jordan Flowers in the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. Seven minutes is all you'll need on the phone with Jordan or a member of his team. You could be saving hundreds of dollars every month with a refinance. 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof at evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, dollar slices and beer specials for the NCAA basketball tournament at all Zeke's Pizza locations with the Final Four coming. And Kraken fans, don't forget about the bar area at the Belltown Zeke's for post-game specials homegrown in the Northwest. And Daniel's Broiler, I think the number one place to celebrate special occasions in the Northwest, the Schwartz family just does it right. Easter Sunday around the corner, big day at Daniel's opening early Make your reservations now. Episode 184. It's a good one, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. What is all this going to mean for the passion and fervor of the 12s? The waiting list for season tickets. The uh, the amount of people that actually just go to the games. The amount of people that actually have tickets. I mean, obviously, they're going to be sold out. But that doesn't mean there won't be 5,000, 10,000 empty seats because people have their tickets in their in the drawer of their desk. Unfiltered. I know it makes the game more exciting, but you know what? Why are we giving the team that's been outplayed, essentially, for 50-some-odd minutes a better chance to get back in the game and win? Hasn't the other team deserved the right to have a 90% play in terms of the onside kick? Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, episode 184 is now officially underway. How excited are you for the start of the Issaquah Little League season? As people are listening to this, it's kicking off. Are you ready? The huh? Issaquah no? Little League season? Kick, it's kicking off. We got a whole new season. Basketball just ended. Now we got Little League. I'm, I'm going to be missing more shows than ever. You're talking about softball now, right? Yeah, softball. But like Little League, I think it's all baseball, softball. It's all kicking off this week. Are you excited? Do you miss Little League? I don't miss Little League. <laughs> really? Why no. not? <laughs> Because I don't have time to miss Little League. I find myself at... Uh, you don't have time? I don't have time to miss Little League. No. There's still lots of lots of baseball and basketball to attend. There's plenty. Okay. Yes. You're not... They turn 15. They turn 16. Yeah. They become high schoolers. They play JV ball. Oh, There's right. Plenty, yeah, yeah. plenty of games. <laughs> okay. I spent the weekend. I spent Friday night. Yes. Plenty of games to go to. I don't, I don't miss Little League at all. All right. But I do miss T-ball. <laughs> the action-packed. <laughs> T-ball. And then they would have the relay race at the end. That was the best part. I don't know if you guys Where they'd did that. they'd all stand at second. You know, and then at home, home and yeah. they'd have the race. Yeah, that was like Please. their favorite part. I would actually say on the, <laughs> at the final out of the game, yeah. I would yell, don't do the relay. I want to go. You're in the rain for two <laughs> oh, hours. Know. Brutal. I know. We don't need the relay. Yeah. <laughs> the relay is unimportant. That's the only reason the kids show up. Don't do the, the relay. <laughs> have you enjoyed the NCAA basketball tournament? 
I mean, other than the the, the North Carolina St. Peter's game, I feel like it's been awesome. Like every game has been. It always is. It's been great. It's the best thing in sports. Hard to argue. Yeah. It's better than the NFL playoffs. It's better than the NBA playoffs. It's better than Major League Baseball. Might not be as good as the Masters, but it is. <laughs> it is the best thing, and it always has been. Yeah. It's almost not. A why fair do fight, people though. even? Why do people even resist this? The college basketball tournament is the best thing going in yeah. sports, and it because it never disappoints. Have you? Do you remember one year where you were like at the end, like, eh? No, I mean maybe there was, there was one. Probably one. There was yeah, probably one yeah. where there was a bunch of blowouts. It's and so fun. No chalk. I mean, Kansas it's so is the only fun. one. It's crazy. Well, yeah. at the end of the day, look at the four teams that are in the final four. They're blue bloods. Right. You say no chalk. Yeah. But it's it's Villanova, Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke. One number one seed though. They weren't supposed to be good this year. Well, a couple of them weren't supposed to be that great this year. Yeah. Especially North Carolina, but... What about Miami? I mean, Miami, Miami had a nice run. Everybody had a nice run. St. Peter's, Peter's was fun. Nice, yeah, the whole thing is fun. Incredible, yeah. Now, I let's take it. a look at your bracket. <laughs> no, I'm, I am not helping. Oh, I see. I am, you're, you're, you're an 800th. Uh, is that right? 800th position out of 1,100, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I am not in any help. I'm sorry. Uh, Mitch is 381st. All right, also not any help. But we happen to have a ringer. We do. That's going to bail our asses out in the Beat the Boys competition presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Yes. Because your buddy, producer Steve, currently sits in ninth place. Let me make sure that I have that right. Who's his champion? Do you know? Yeah, he happens to have Duke over Kansas in the national championship game. Wow. Thank God. If it weren't for him, let me just check it. Talk for a second. I want to make sure that I have my my information right. Because you know, I have to give prizes to every single person who beats all of the members of our team, beats the boys. That's right. I don't know if people saw the cheerleaders to the rescue again. Grab the ball. Did you see Arkansas versus Duke? It happened twice. Yeah, the Arkansas cheerleaders got the ball down once again. Okay. They're heroes. Steve Dion. Producer Steve Mm -hmm. is currently out of 1,100. He's in 10th place. Wow. So if the season ended today, which if the tournament ended today, which it doesn't, it's stupid to even talk about, we would have to give out nine prizes. Wow. If Steve weren't in the the pool. God, who's next? Robbie Tonkin of Taco Time, 111. I'd have to give out 110 prizes. That would hurt. Now, the tournament's not over. But if you take a look at the... Um, like, who's ahead of him? Who are they, like, you have to go through and look at all the champions, the people that are ahead of him, which would take some I, I can't imagine. Steve dion has got three of the final four. Wow, that's impressive. And he's got the two national championship teams still alive. Impressive. Duke over Kansas, You man. might give out no prizes. No, he might win the whole freaking thing. <laughs> Last year, I had to give out one prize because Dan Black of Zeke's finished second. Nice. People are not going to want to enter next year. Zeke's of movie fame? Yes. Is that Zeke's the Zeke's you're talking about? Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Love it. Yeah. Now, listen. Would you like to have a new favorite NFL team? Because your team sucks now. Our team sucks now. You know sure. that. We, yeah, don't, I need we don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You need a new team? I'm ready. Tyreek Hill? Saw that. Did he have to take a break to go to the bathroom during a press conference? I don't have any idea. I don't care. Tyleek Hill. I saw someone call Ty him. Tyleek Hill? Yeah, because he had to go use the bathroom. Um, I did see Are that. you noticing what's happening down in South Florida after yeah. all these years? Are you noticing that the Miami Dolphins are surging in free agency <laughs> and maybe about to do something that they haven't done in many, many years? What's do that? You, 
compete? <laughs> well, but be good? When I saw that, I was like, are they a Tyreek Hill? Maybe you'll say yes. They're a Tyreek Hill away from being a good playoff team. Because then they go after, like, Reggie Bush one year and pay him a ton of money. Did, haven't they made some questionable free agent acquisitions that didn't really help them in the past? Well, he's not a free agent acquisition. He's a trade. Oh, they traded for him. Okay. They gave up a lot for him, and then they gave him a huge contract. Okay. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you think of Tua. Yeah. If you think Tua is going to be pretty good, if you think he was good last year and he's going to even be better this year, yeah, they are loaded. And they were. If you don't like Tua, then you probably don't like the Dolphins. Didn't it come down to the last week of the season for them, or, or no? Yeah, second to last week. That's right, second to last week. They got yeah. off. If you recall, I think they got off to a one and six start, and right. then they won like eight in a row or That's something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. And now they've got Tyree killed. They also signed the number one left tackle in the free agent market. Oh. So they got the number one left tackle that was available. They've got Tyree killed. They've got a couple of new running backs. I don't they know. are. They are. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> You're moving back to Miami. Aren't there you? is some. There is some. Uh, not many seats on the bandwagon. Come on aboard. I'll but root for them. Now, speak now. You're an AFC team. I'll root for them. Come em. on over. It'd be fun. But here's the problem. Okay. Tyreek Hill got a four-year, one hundred and twenty million dollar contract, thirty million a year for a wide receiver. Crazy. And we happen to have a wide receiver in town, number fourteen who is coming to the end of his contract and much younger, I would imagine, than Tyreek Hill, much earlier in his career, bigger, stronger. He says faster. I don't know if I believe that he's... You're shaking your head. No. Tyreek Hill looks like the fastest... John, John Schneider was was welcomed on KJR Radio. Do you ever heard of KJR Radio? I, I know Cube 93 Sports Radio. Yeah, 93.3 yeah. Right, right. KJR. He was welcomed on during the week by, by one of the, uh, the shows. Okay. And he called the wide receiver money shocking. Uh, he's already laying the groundwork. Well, I don't know if he's laying the groundwork, but I mean, look, I, Tyreek Hill is amazing. Yeah, game changer. DK Metcalf is amazing also in his own right. Different, yeah. but amazing. If you're DK Metcalf's agent, he's got one year left. This next year is his last year. And and there's no fifth year option because he wasn't he wasn't picked in the first year. Uh he wasn't picked in the first round, rather. Yeah. So you've got to make they're trying to renegotiate a deal. Are you not asking for 30 million a year? If Tyreek Hill got 30 million a year, why isn't your client getting sure. 30 million a year? Are the Seahawks really going to play DK Met pay DK Metcalf? 120 million guaranteed? Who's throwing to DK Metcalf? That's what I'm going to need to know. Great question. Coming into your last year and you're wondering, Russell Wilson just left? Maybe if you're, are you saying that if you're DK Metcalf, maybe you don't want to be here? I mean, it's your final year. Who do you want? But the Seahawks control the franchise tag so they can make it nearly impossible for him to to uh, force his way out uh, if they want to. DK's thinking of Russell, just one more year. Just let me get my big deal. Just stick around, and then you can go. Wait, was it Drew? What's his name? Locke. Drew Locke's going to be throwing to him? Is he going to have all-pro numbers with Drew Locke? Baker Mayfield yeah. to DK Metcalf. Yeah, maybe. That's something. Yeah. Do you want to give DK Metcalf $30 million a year? That's just, the question. I, just, I, I love DK Metcalf, and it's going to be hard to watch him go. I just can't give a receiver $30 million a year. $30 million a year, Tyreek. Especially you, without a quarterback. What do you think DK Metcalf's reaction was when he picked up his phone Woo-hoo. and somebody told him yeah. that Tyreek Hill just got $120 million guaranteed over four years from the Miami Dolphins? What do you think DK Metcalf's day was like that Loving day? it. Absolutely loving it. Oh, my yeah. God. He's at the Lamborghini dealership picking oh out his new God. car. Oh, my God. Yeah.
I know. Not that he couldn't afford one now. And I, look, I'm not suggesting, maybe I am suggesting, that DK Metcalf is better than Tyreek Hill. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. He's different. He's big. It's he's different. strong. I almost look at Tyreek Hill as a running back playing receiver because he's he's not tall. Shifty and you, small. You can just get him the ball anywhere and yeah. he, he just makes people miss. Flip it to him and let him go. That's right. And he's got a fifth year. You can't year. do that with DK. Yeah. D, it's just not DK's game. He's not that guy in space that's going to make you miss. Now, he may run you over, which is good, right? He's, Tyreek Hill's not running you over that's anytime right. soon. They're just different. They're just different. I don't know. Yeah. Thirty million, but, million's but a DK. Lot. I mean, if you said to general managers around the NFL, you can have any one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah, considering age, right? I mean, Devontae Adams just got a huge deal in um, in Las Vegas, but he's older. Tyreek Hill just got a huge deal in Miami. He's a little older. The guy in San Diego, not San Diego, Los Angeles for the Chargers got a big deal. He's a little. I would think that DK Metcalf would be the guy you would want to start right now with a if you could have any wide yeah. receiver based on age and productivity and build and size and speed, wouldn't DK if not be the number one choice? Wouldn't he be one of the top choices? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if it, if there was anybody that's going to get the contract, it's him. Especially so with, now the Seahawks have a decision to make. Yeah, what are they going to do? Trade him? You have to trade him. You're going to Trade have to, you're gonna have to get something for him before he walks. I, I can't pay DK Metcalf. I love him. I mean, what what a great... By the way, Schneider takes a lot of shit for some bad draft picks, and he deserves it. Yes. This was a pretty good one. It was a very good one. Right? So maybe we can put a little more back in the good basket for yeah. this. This was a good draft pick. It was pick. a good one. And I love that he worked out. I love his personality. I love him on the field. I can't give him $30 million, especially with no court. Like, for what? So, so a hack can throw to him? Uh, okay, we have DK Metcalf now, but the quarterback sucks, and he might be on his back half the time. Yeah, but you're not, if you're the general manager of the Seahawks, you're not looking at it that way. You're not saying to yourself, I can't give him $30 million because I have a hack of quarterback. Yeah. I don't think the Seahawks look at it that way. They probably think that they can revitalize Drew Locke or they're going to get a new guy or they can't, they can't sign or not sign players because they think their team stinks. How did their team stink? They, they're the ones who built it. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough it doesn't question. doesn't work that way. It's a tough question to answer now when you don't know who the quarterback is. You can ask me that you know, September 1st or whenever the season starts, then I'll have a better answer for you is what to do with DK Metcalf. Well, we know who the quarterback's going to be in Cleveland. Yes. It's going to be Deshaun Watson. Did you watch his press conference? No. The first time that we've heard Deshaun Watson speak. Yeah, I do have really, some notes on him. Yeah. Although Deshaun Watson, I think, spoke outside of a courthouse at one point or another. But really the first time we've heard from Deshaun Watson mm -hmm. since this whole thing started years ago, a couple years ago. Yeah. I understand the seriousness of the allegations. I have never assaulted a single woman. I have never disrespected any woman. I was, I was raised by a single mom. I have never done the things that people are alleging. Yeah. The words directly from Deshaun Watson when he was being introduced to the Cleveland media last week. Now, you want to believe people. Sure. 22 different women. That's the hard part. That number, that 22 number is going to come back to haunt him yeah. at every at every turn. 22 women. How do we believe Deshaun Watson when 22 different women say these things happened? Right. How? It would be the world's greatest collusion of defendants to come together and lie of all time, right? One of them would have, would have come out and said, ah, we made it up. Yeah, that's a big number. And it's a huge number. We've seen usually when there's smoke, there's fire. There's that's a that's a term for a reason. I mean, we Correct. heard about Russell not being happy what over a year ago, and look what happened with that. But the other news with Deshaun Watson is that for a second time, a grand jury now in a different county 
Yeah. Listened to testimony from one of the accusers and looked over every piece of evidence and everything that the prosecutor had and decided again to not move forward with criminal charges. Now, of course, that has drawn an amazing reaction from around the country. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean he's innocent, yada, yada, yada. They're saying the exact same things about him that they said when the when the Houston area grand jury also looked at nine or ten of these incidents, very closely spoke to, at least the prosecutor got testimony from ten of the accusers. Yeah. And they they didn't go forward with any criminal proceedings as well. So yeah. how do you justify now two grand juries saying there's not enough here? And remember, the bar is really low. The grand jury is not deciding whether the person's guilty or not. The grand jury is only is only being asked one question, and that is, is there anything here that allows us to move forward to potentially a trial? They're not saying, right. are you guilty? They're just looking for one shred of evidence that makes it right for us to spend, spend taxpayers' money and proceed criminally with the investigation and the trial. Yeah. And they have said, no, no, no. At every turn, there's just not enough here. So how do you balance that? And, and the, But as you and Danny discussed a while back, that that doesn't necessarily mean that maybe he wasn't inappropriate. Of course or not. Or a bit of a scumbag. Of course not. Right. Correct. Just because he is not facing criminal charges, yeah. obviously he could have acted very inappropriately and probably did if we got 22 people right. saying that he did. But he's not facing criminal charges. And that's important because all the people that are waving the flag saying, don't sign him. Don't invite him to my favorite team. We're not interested, uh, of which I was one, by the way. I said I wouldn't want him as the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. I stand by that. It's kind of a dicey situation because we just talked about Tyreek Hill. Right. Tyreek Hill was charged criminally with domestic assault of a pregnant girlfriend. Right. Adrian Peterson oh. was indicted, indicted yeah. on a felony child abuse charge. Frank Clark was charged, criminally charged with domestic assault of a woman. Right. Raise your hand. And I, my hand's raised. How many people cheered when Frank Clark came up with a sack for the Seattle Seahawks? How many people were happy that Frank Clark was a member of the Seattle Seahawks? How many Chiefs fans cheered every time Tyreek Hill did, did something explosive with a football. And how many Adrian Peterson fans are out there? Right. Th these are three of, of a lot of examples yeah. of people who were not cleared criminally by grand juries. In fact, just the opposite. They were charged. Yeah. So how do we rationalize? I guess I keep coming back to that number 22. Right. The number 22 is a hard one to get by. Yeah. The number 22. But... But you know, that, for all the people that are saying, all the Seahawks fans, including myself, that are saying, I would never want Deshaun Watson to be my quarterback. Fine, I get it. How many of us have cheered for Frank Clark? Right, who was actually charged. Was yeah. actually charged. Not yeah. 22 times, but a grand jury did indict Frank, Frank Clark. Yeah. Did indict Tyreek Hill. Did indict Adrian Peterson. Yeah. So it's... Where do you draw the line? That's right. And then where, where do you draw the line? And then when do you say a young guy deserves a chance at redemption? That factors in as Again, well. Again, the twenty-two number is a uh, hard. It's a hard one. It's, a, it's big, right? That's a big one. It's a very big. But one. maybe after all this, he's learned his lesson. I don't know. I don't know that to be the case. But you want to try to give people the benefit of the doubt and give second chances. Well, the Cleveland Browns have answered that question. 
That's true. The answer guess, to the question yeah. is right now. <laughs> that, oh, now's the time. And okay. in fact, not only is he deserving of another chance, a young man, we're going to give him $230 million guaranteed for that second chance. Where's our second chance with that kind of money? <laughs> Who's going to give us one? <laughs> By the way, speaking of, I mean, I guess I didn't really want to get into this, but I'm watching that Playboy Mansion documentary. And if you're a fan You didn't of, want to get into it. You've gotten into it 16 different no, shows up until now. This, what I'm going to say. Oh, okay. If you're a fan of Jim Brown from Syracuse. I am. Don't watch that. I won't. Don't watch it. The if, greatest the greatest running back of all time. If what Jim they're Brown, saying is true about Jim Brown, of yes. what he's being alleged of, that, that he did at that mansion, I would slap him in the face at 87 years old and watch him hit the ground and laugh. It's that horrific, the stuff they're talking about. Ugh. Yeah, and there's a statue of him out in front of the stadium. It's like, it, it, but you can go look it up for yourself. He's he's been arrested in the past, like multiple times. He's been arrested for domestic violence and battery. You know, just some pretty. Uh, but the stuff he's being accused of by multiple people in this mm. documentary. But why'd, I mean, you, have, why'd you have to go there? I, I know, with but Syracuse. Look, guy. you're bringing up Frank. Cl- I mean, the, oh. yeah, you're right. There's a lot of them, and now, people cheer like crazy for Jim. Now Brown. I don't want to listen. Now you lost me as a patron. But again, <laughs> but this is alleged. By I, he didn't do it to yeah, me. Right. These are all alleged, even though he has been arrested for certain. And yeah, so, sometimes witnesses. These are, these are accusations. They're accusations, and sometimes witnesses didn't want to, you know, cooperate for whatever reason. But wow, he's being. I mean, you can go on Twitter and just well, put in Jim Brown Playboy Mansion. You can read for yourself the stuff he's accused of. So, yeah. I don't I don't want to be Mr. Mr. Deshaun Watson defender. Yeah. But 10 of the victims, the alleged victims, cooperated and shared testimony with the the first grand jury in Harris County, Houston, Texas. Okay. 10. 10 were heard from, 10 sets of investigations thorough, and the grand jury said there's nothing here hmm. that says to us that we should move forward criminally with this guy. And then a neighboring county said the same thing this past week. So uh, <sighs> all, all I could say is, if you trust the American judicial, unless you have a problem with the American judicial system, right? this is a big group that are saying, we don't see anything that rises to the chance, to the chance that there's criminal activity. Yeah, He is clearly guilty of inappropriate behavior. He did obviously made very poor choices and put these women in awkward and humiliating situations. Yeah. And he should pay the price in these civil lawsuits. And he will pay the price yeah. if he's if he's guilty of that in these civil lawsuits. All I'm saying is apparently nothing that he did has risen to criminal when we spend our Sundays rooting for a lot of guys out there yeah. that have been charged right charged some of them convicted definitely charged definitely indicted unlike deshaun watson so where do we draw the line i want to see where the nfl plays into this because they could come in at any time right yeah he's and he's he's inviting him to because he his first year salary is a million bucks <laughs> oh, yeah that's right i forgot about that <laughs> genius okay. three uh three guests and then we'll do the other stuff segment ladies and gentlemen here he is the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic, the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well, 
the Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest <laughs> to see those Seahawks do really well, and my beloved UW Huskies. But uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And, and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we do with you guys is we want to send somebody out there, an expert, to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything's going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations, and get that stress-free buying experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors? and fireplace units. Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks, and you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Time for a check-in with the CEO of our favorite steakhouse, Daniel's Broiler. Here's Lindsay Schwartz. Lindsay, how are you? How are the restaurants doing? It's got to be getting busier now. Mask mandates have been lifted. It feels normal again, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really starting to feel normal, Mitch. It's been great. We're getting busier every week. It's just so nice to see people smiling faces without the mask. Our team members have been wearing masks for two years now. So um, just so nice to see the smiles and happy faces and busy restaurants. We love it. You do a lot of special occasions. The Bourbon Bash on March 12th, how'd that come off? It was awesome. It was packed. It felt like the good old days. Everybody had a good time. Nice to see friendly faces who we see there year after year. And just an awesome way to kick off spring. I say on virtually every podcast, every episode, that there's no place that I'd rather go on a special occasion than one of your locations, one of the Daniels Broiler locations. Now, I'm not an Easter guy, but Easter Sunday is April 17th. What do you guys do? Yeah, it's a big day for us. It's one of the only Sundays where we open the restaurants early. We serve the dinner menu all day long. Bellevue and Lake Union locations will open up at noon, and Leschi will open at 11. It'll be a busy day, so people who want to go should make reservations. And the mixers are still selling well? And where do we get them, Lindsay? They're selling great. They're on Amazon. We've been on Amazon for, uh, man, a couple of years almost now. And uh, we've been in QFC for the last few months, and it's off to a really good start. And whose idea was that? Well, I'd like to take credit, but I got to give credit to my little brother, Danny. He's the uh, he's the family cocktail mixer guy, and he did a great job with these. Daniel's Broiler has been a great partner since back in the radio days and since the beginning of this Mitch Unfiltered. Please support him at Daniel's Broiler. They're a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Center running for a spot up three pointer from the 
top of the key. Welcome to basketball in 2022. Dejan Davis for Washington. His first field goal of the day. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a three, especially right now. What a huge shot by the veteran Dejan Davis. It's paying dividends for him. There's no doubt about that. Crowd again in the lane. Oh, he is fired up at least. You can just look at the expression on his face. He's got 12. Episode 184 continues. Is there anything better than the NCAA basketball tournament? I want to know. Is there anything better? All the excitement, all the underdogs, all the Cinderella's, and guess what ends up happening? Four Blue Bloods. Kansas, Villanova, Duke, and North Carolina. Look who's back on Mitch Unfiltered. He's a former three-time All-Pac-10 for the UW, former CBA MVP, he told me the other day, of the Yakima Sun King, solid NBA player, blossoming TV analyst. My guy, the pride of Nolans, ER, Eldridge Rakasner. How are you, ER? I'm good, miss. Good to see you, man. NCAA Final Four going back to your old stomping grounds. Yes, sir, in the Big Easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be off the chain. Ah. <laughs> Just don't remind me about a certain Keith Smart jumper in the corner in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I thought Keith was going to make it again. I saw him over there on Eric Musselman's bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They came close. <laughs> I want to know, you know, before we get to the Final Four, I don't know that in all the time that we've been together, we've worked on radio together, doing the podcast, I don't know that I ever heard the story of how a New Orleans kid like you ended up at the University of Washington. How did that happen? I think it was all due to March Madness. You talked about it being one of the best things out there. And uh, that's how I got here. Andy Russo had a guy named Carl Malone, which I know all your listeners know. He was at Louisiana Tech. He was recruiting me to Louisiana Tech. So for me, it was between Louisiana Tech that had Andy Russo and Carl Malone and, and Creighton University that had Willis Reed. And your listeners will probably remember a blast from the past name, Benoit Benjamin. Oh, yeah. Louisiana Tech was telling me you want to come here because Benoit Benjamin was going pro. He's not going to be there next year. Louisiana Tech was telling me you want to come here because <laughs> Benoit Benjamin is going pro. He won't be there next year. Both guys went pro. <laughs> Benoit went hardship. Carl Malone went hardship. Marv Harshman retired. Andy Russo got the job. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to come to Washington, and I told him no. I don't know anything about the University of Washington. <laughs> then my dad stepped in and said, you're going, and the next thing you know, man, I'm – I'm on a plane flying for only the second time in my life to Seattle on a recruiting trip. Yeah. Okay, so go over all of your your fine moments in the NCAA tournament when you were there. <laughs> we, we only wait. Hey, hey, you're laughing, but my 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 redshirt freshman year, we made the tournament. Oh, you did. I obviously, I didn't play because I redshirted. Yeah, we made. We had Chris Belt. You know, we had a we had a yeah. all American. We made the tournament and uh, we got the business with Scott Skiles. <laughs> Scott Skiles gave us thirty. I think Al Muscatel started talking some smack to him, and Scott went off and hit us up for thirty. Did he hit Georgetown up for thirty the next game? So couldn't feel too bad about that. Oh, are you a Coach K guy or not? Are we pulling for Coach K in no, New Orleans? No, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not. Yeah, I'm no? not. A, I'm not a Duke guy. I'm not a North Carolina guy, but I will say this, Mitch. I, I think the basketball guys got it right. You know, outside of John Wooden, man, I don't know of anybody that's had a better career than Coach K. Think about it. I played against Coach K's teams in 88 and 89, 90. 
And he was great then, and he's still great. <laughs> so for the last the last 35 years, he's been fantastic, man. So I think it's just fitting that he goes out with a, with a trip to the Final Four. I just think the basketball guys got it right this time. So why are you not swept up in the sentimentality? I know you. You're a you're a sweet and sensitive guy. It's his last go around. <laughs> Why are we not cheering for him, ER? Everybody, I think everybody hates the teams that are always good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. You know, I was a Duke fan before I got to college with Johnny oh, Dawkins and Tommy Amerika. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Johnny Dawkins uh, when uh, he played for Duke. Yeah, but they beat us a couple times, and uh, you just get tired of seeing them, man. It's like Notre Dame. I can't stand Notre Dame. <laughs> I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> You know, you just get tired of the same teams, getting the love all the time. How about Paulo Banquero from O'Day? Uh, he goes from O'Day High School in one year to the Final Four. Now he's on top of the college basketball world. Did you get a chance to know him as a kid yeah. at all, ER? I've been watching Paulo since he was a track star, man. He started off track was his best sport back when he was in like the fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. He ran track with some of my girls. Then he played football, and uh, of course, I followed him when he was at O'Day and, and, and Rotary AAU program. And just, uh, I think he'll be one of the top three players taken in the draft. I think it's him, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren that are right up there. And uh, this goes to show, man. You, you know, I, I think about Paulo Benchero. I, I think about Remy Martin making the decisions to go to these big time schools, and, and it paid off for him. Yeah. Who will be better, Boncaro or Holmgren? In the NBA. That's a tough one. Um, I think both of them are going to be fantastic. You know, when I look at Chet Holmgren, I see a, a, a more well-rounded Christos Przingis. You know, that, that guy is seven foot one. He can shoot the three. He can handle the rock. He can protect the rim. You know, Mitch's only weakness is his physical weakness. He's just got to get a little bit stronger because he has everything else. And, of course, Paolo is built like an NBA player already. I don't think he's quite as versatile uh, as, as Chet Holmgren, but but he's bigger, stronger, and I think I think he's more NBA-ready right now. Do you feel good for Hubert Davis? You must have played. I was thinking about this. Oh, man. He's a little younger than you, but you must have had some battles in the NBA with Hubert Davis, no? Yeah, I played against Hubert in the NBA, and I, I'm really happy for him, man, because I, I think I got some kind of grasp and understanding of, of the pressure cooker situation he's in. You know, I don't know if you watched the post-game interview. He was crying. He claimed he was happy for the team, but I know damn well he was happy for himself because he's probably been under a lot of pressure. They didn't have a great regular no, season. No, no, no. They, they were kind of jailed at the right time. And right now, they hell, I got to say, man, they look like the team to beat. Caleb Love is making me want to be an agent. <laughs> the way he's playing, I want to sign him, man. He's about to get paid. And then the, the big fella, Armando Baycott, he just played fantastic. I think he ended up with 20 points, 22 rebounds. Just a great performance. But I'm really happy for Hubert Davis. Number one, He's a really nice guy, and uh, I'm just, I just know he's got that monkey off his back, man. About six weeks or four weeks to go in the season, there were a lot of people thinking that North Carolina wasn't even going to go to the tournament, let alone to the Final Four. So now you get North Carolina and Duke playing in the tournament for the first time ever. Unreal. And, I can't believe it, Mitch. And in like Coach K's last year, he gets North Carolina. We all remember North Carolina going in there in Coach K's final game at home, and they just whacked Duke. I think one of the assistant coaches for Duke refused to shake the hand of the North <laughs> Carolina players, and, and and now you get them in the in a Final Four. So I, I got this straight. You're rooting for Hubert Davis, no question about that, right? Oh yeah, for sure. For I'm sure. Like, well, I was rooting for him to get to the Final Four. I don't give a damn who wins now, Miss. I just <laughs> want to see some good games, man. That's all. I want to see good games, you know. Uh, and I think I think everybody wants to see North Carolina Duke. It's it's, it's the best rivalry in, in, in college basketball, and I, I think. It's just so fitting because it's Coach K's last year. 
I mean, think about it, Mitch. From 1985 to 2022, he's he's been in the final four, the top 10, damn near every single year, man. So, I mean, it's unreal. Like I said, the only person I can think of that's done it bigger and better is, is the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden. Outside of that, Coach K is the measuring stick. All coaches are measured by, all teams are measured by. And for him to go out this way, I think is really fitting. Whether you're a fan of Duke or not. 13 final fours. Yeah, that's o- by the way, that's only 13 more than I've gotten to. <laughs> so, so, all right. So make, so I want to ask you about you, Dub, and I want to ask you about, about ER and how your life is. But before we do that, give me the picks. You got, you got Villanova, Villanova in Kansas. I'm assuming that's going to be the first game. I don't know. Villanova in Kansas and then Duke in, Duke in North Carolina. Who wins the semifinals? Who wins on national championship Monday? ER. You know, I- I'll tell you who I'm pulling for because I got a lot of respect for the guy. I mean, I just, I love Jay Wright. You know, I don't know him personally, but when I watch, he doesn't have a dominant, he doesn't have a, like a, like a all American superstar guy on his team. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a big, but I remember going to Houston for the final four. I think they beat North Carolina in 2016. I remember being in, being in Houston at that game and, uh, you know, the guy, this is his third time in the Final Four since 2016, man. But you never hear about him in the conversations with the Coach K's and the John Calipari. You never hear about him. So I, I will say I'm pulling, I'm pulling for uh I'm pulling for Villanova because I can't stand Kansas either. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only thing I like about Kansas is Will Chamberlain. I'm going all the way back to the beginning, you know, in Fog Alley. But so, and I think Duke Carolina, man, I just I just want to see a good game. Most well, I got friends at both schools. I've been talking to Sam Perkins all day, asking him if he's going. I've been talking to Grant Hill, asking him if he's going. So I, I got friends at both schools, and uh, I just want to see a good game, Miss. That's it, man. And Jay Wright wears the same suits that you wear when you're selling houses. <laughs> I'm not as clean as Jay Wright. Jay Wright is clean, clean, man. <laughs> oh right. man! So, so North Carolina against Villanova is who you're rooting for. No, I'm just rooting for for Jay Wright. That's it. I don't care who he <laughs> played. I just think I just think he's he does so much with, with so little. I mean, think about it, Mitch. You, you never hear of him getting you know the McDonald's All Americans. At least, at least I'm on the West Coast, so I'm yeah. not I'm he not really one, sure. He gets one or two. He gets one or two. Yeah, but North Carolina, Duke, yeah, Kansas, yeah. they get him. They yeah. get him every single year, man. And then you turn around and you look and you're like, damn, Villanova's there again. So right. you, you got to be impressed with what he's doing. All right, put your Pac-12 analyst hat on, and you do a great job. We love listening and watching the ER on the telecasts. The University of Washington, two horrible years, and then they start this season, and it looks like they're dead in the water. They're losing. ER, they are losing to programs <laughs> that I didn't even know existed. I swear. I watch college basketball. I didn't know who Utah Valley State was. I didn't I, I thought they were in blue chips or something. I don't I don't I don't know. But yeah. he, he's losing games in the in a non-conference to organizations and, and programs I've never heard of. And then something happens. They get a little traction. This Terrell Brown story is fabulous. And they start winning games and they actually finish. I believe fifth in the Pac-12 standings at the end of the year. They go, they go two and out at the Pac-12 tournament. This guy, uh, Nate Roberts, is leaving, and we know that Davis is leaving, and we know that Brown's leaving, and maybe there's more. I don't know if he's going to the transfer portal to get the next group of guys. I, I don't know what to feel about. You know, he's a Syracuse guy. He, he, I mean, I he's love your guy. Yeah, yeah. He's one of your guys. Yeah, he's a serious yeah, guy. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know. Tell me, how, how should I feel 
about where this Washington program is going right now. I think you feel like everybody else. You're nervous. You know, you don't know. Um, last year, the, you know, everybody's afraid of COVID. But, but hell, I got to be honest, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. They were getting ready to play Arizona, oh. UCLA, and Gonzaga. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, like you said, you lost to Utah Valley State, lost to Winthrop. You know, I just, they lost to Wyoming all at home. And I, you know, I, I thought, wow, if they lose these three, man, he might get fired in the middle of the season. They come out of the COVID protocol and they're a different team. And you you, you touched on it a bit, Mitch, and I'll say this, man. I, I tried to get the Terrell Brown young man some love, man, because I just think his story was the best I've seen in college basketball in a long time. To not have any Division One scholarships coming out of high school, to go on and lead a Power Five conference in scoring, I just think was a fantastic story, man. I wish he could have made the tournament so people could could have saw him do his thing, but it just didn't happen. But, uh, you know, they've got a kid from Garfield coming in yep. you know, next year. Uh, but outside of that, they're going to have to put their hat, hard hats on, man, and, and hit the transfer portals again because – they just don't have the they don't have the studs coming in as freshmen, so they got to hit the transfer portal and try to bring some guys in. Can they capture magic in the bottle two years in a row? That's the question. Last year, I think everything lined up. They brought in four guys, but they brought in four guys. Three of them that all played together in high school, and then Evan Matthews was just up the street in Tacoma, so they all knew each other. They were used to playing with each other. They played in the Jamal Crawford Pro Am together, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But if you're a Husky fan, you're nervous because I know I'm nervous. You know, I mean, they got to, man, they got to go out there and and outbid Oregon and all the rest of these schools that are really good at using the transport portal if they're going to have some type of success next season. What's next for Brown? Does he play in Europe a lot of years and make a lot of money? Or could he find his way somehow onto a onto a bench in the NBA somehow? I know he's, he's small. He's small. You know what's funny, Mitch? I, I, I told this to Terrell Brown. I sat down and did a one-on-one with him. And I remember when he was a senior, you know, he didn't get any, he didn't get any division one offers. And then I saw him on the AAU circuit again with, with, with Seattle Rotary style. And I was like, wow, that's weird. You don't normally see kids that are seniors that, that are graduated back on the AAU circuit. And I said to myself, oh, wow, this guy thinks he's better than what he is. That's, that's what I thought, but I wouldn't bet against him, man. I mean, he's, he's defied the odds, Mitch. I think he's going to get a look. I think he has to, I think his biggest weakness is his three-point shooting. He's only six foot two. He's not going to be able to get to the basket, I don't believe, like he did at the collegiate level, because everybody's a big-time athlete in the NBA, even the guards, and you talk about the big men. So he's got to work on his jumper, but I think he'll get a look. But I think at the worst-case scenario, I think he'll have a fantastic career maybe over in Europe somewhere, overseas. I want to know about Eldridge Kasner. Tell me what about, do you want to know, baby? I want to know how I can buy a house. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what your life's like. I know you've got a son who's about my son's. Is he a tenth grader, eleventh grader? About he's a junior. Yeah, junior. he's a junior. He's one year older. Yeah. One year older yeah. than my son. Yeah. How's his basketball future and career? What's your life like? You're doing a great job on the Pac-12 Network. You guys are great. On the man, Pac-12. thanks, Mitch. Yeah, I really awesome. appreciate that, man. Yeah, I got yeah. a chance to do a couple ESPN games this year. I was really excited about that. You know, I've been working trying to get better, and I feel that I am. But, man, I got to tell you, life has been good for me. Uh, one of my high school teammates was king of Zulu this year. So I went home to New Orleans. I participated in the Zulu parade. <laughs> I rode in that. That was fantastic. I had a ball. My wife just got a new job with Amazon. We're leaving. We're going to Sao Paulo, Brazil in the morning. See, Mitch, you're cutting into my time, man, with this show. <laughs> I got to get things done, man. I got a fight in the morning. We're going to Brazil. I already had, so I had book, ticket to the final four months ago because a couple of my friends, Eric Brady played at UW, transferred to Gonzaga. He thought Gonzaga was going to make it. One of my teammates, Mike Hayward's going, Paul Fortier, 
Steve Hall. So I had booked a ticket to New Orleans for the final four. Then my wife tells me that she's going to Brazil. I'm like, hell, wait a minute. I want to go to Brazil. <laughs> so I've canceled the trip to New Orleans. I'm going to Brazil. But everything's been good, Mitch. You know, I'm with John L. Scott, Bellevue main office. I haven't sold anything yet. It's a lot damn harder than what I thought, man. Plus, I don't know anybody with this kind of money, Mitch. This market is just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know people walking around with an extra 500 grand in their pocket because they because they, they qualify for 1.5 million, but it gets bid up to two. So it's been crazy, man. What a crazy market. What about before you go? Everybody's on Mark Few. He's a he's an easy punching bag. He's an easy target when he doesn't get to the final four, <laughs> when he doesn't get to the championship game. What about the disappointment? of him with all that talent. Boy, he's getting incredible players coming there, and yet somehow, some way, he's not able to win a championship yet. He hasn't cut the cut the nets down in the Final Four yet, ER. Uh, you know what? I, I, I tried to give Mark Few as much love as I could the last couple of years, man, because I remember guys that couldn't play for us at Washington would transfer over to Gonzaga, you know, and go over there and have great careers. Uh, Dan Dickow left Washington and hell, he became a McDonald's All-American. I don't think that would have happened if you would have stayed here. But I got to be honest with you, Mitch. I, I just feel like, I feel like Mark Few and Gonzaga have become victims of their expectation. They're like, and, and Mitch, I know you're going to remember this. When John Wooden was at UCLA, won all those championships, everybody that came behind him, it was, you got to win a championship or nothing. And I think that's where Gonzaga is now. They've won their league 20 something damn times in a row, which is unheard of with the exception of maybe Kansas winning the big 12, but he's done everything else, but he has to win it. And I'm going to be honest, Mitch, he looks as nervous as the damn players. When I was watching the game. I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you the truth because I just think he feels the pressure that monkey is on his back now. And, and, and it's like, it's like Nick Anderson at the free throw line oh, against the Rockets. Oh. It gets into your head. And it becomes your worst enemy. And that's what I see from Gonzaga. I got to ask the question now, mentioning, and, I, and I'm not trying to be cold against Mark Few, but I think everybody has to ask the question, can he win the big one? He can get you to the dance, but when he gets out there in the final four, you know, when they played North Carolina and Nigel Williams-Goss, I know you remember this, Nigel Williams-Goss kind of tweaked his ankle a little bit. I thought if that wouldn't have happened, I thought they'd have won a championship that year. But now I got to ask myself, can he do it? You know, Chet Holmgren, a top three draft pick. Drew Timmy, the damn Kevin McHale of college basketball. I love watching that guy and his footwork. They had great guards. They had all the pieces, man. But for two years in a row, Mitch, some little guards. Last year was Davion Mitchell with Baylor. And this year, I had never heard of J.D. Note. J.D. Note gave him the business. Two years, they couldn't stop. Some really, really good guards, and that's who knocked them out of the tournament. So I, I don't know what's ahead for Mark Few and Gonzaga. I know they play a, a really good out-of-conference schedule. But that's like in October and November. And then December and January come along, ER, and they play nobody for three months. And then they you jump in the NCAA tournament. That's tough. That's not easy. Miss people in the WCC don't want to hear it, but it's, it, it's, it's just not a strong conference, man. I mean, it's come on. It's not. It's not the Pac-12. It's not the ACC. It's not the Big Ten. You know, it's, it, it just isn't. And I think every year it shows. You know, they, they go – they lost to somebody this year who beat them. St. Mary's beat them one time. Yes, I think yes, they had one yes, loss. Yeah. But they run through there like a hot knife through butter. Then they get to the tournament and they get deep. Elite eight. This year was a sweet 16. And they just get exposed, you know, against some tougher kids. You know, Mitch, I'll say this, man. That's, that's, that's something to say for toughness. You look at St. Peter's, and I remember Coach Holloway saying, man, I got kids from New Jersey and New York. You think we're scared <laughs> of anybody? And it shows, man, that, that, that East Coast toughness. It's not just a, it's just not just a phrase. It's, it's real, you know. And I think Gonzaga. I'm not gonna say their guys are soft, 
But for some reason, when they match up with some of them real bros, <laughs> they struggle, man. They struggle, man. <laughs> Oh, oh man. I'm gonna catch some heat for that, but that's all right. <laughs> Go to Brazil. It's great to visit with you again. Great to see your so you never get older. What's the problem? Yeah, dude, you don't see all this gray in there, man. Come on, bitch. Gray in here. I'm losing my damn hair. It's taking me way too long to cut my damn grass, man. I tell you, getting old ain't no joke. You know, but I'm still in the game, baby. That's all that matters. Uh, enjoy, yep. enjoy Brazil. Thank you, ER. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. I appreciate it. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert, Jay Flo. Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, Jay Flo? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. <laughs> Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis? Or phone calls? <laughs> oh, there's time for refis. There's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. There's oh. always time. Who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. <laughs> Not for me, though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it Blakely's Bracket Busters, and hers is busted already. She picked <laughs> San Diego State to win it all. She's five. <laughs> all right. Lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world? Yes. So rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation, hopefully, and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low fours. So overall, still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market, and also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt, and there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of, say, FHA and uh, conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there. Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30-year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down, 200 grand down? And what's my What's my monthly number through you guys? Yeah, pretty standard, 20% down for a jumbo loan. Um, you're looking in the upper threes. We call it 375, give or take right now. We have 5 and 10% down options with no mortgage insurance on jumbo products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that 375 range. Beautiful. And how do I call you? in between diaper changes and NCAA tournament games? Absolutely. You can reach me on the cell phone, 425 890-2957. We love Jay Flo. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross Country Mortgage, Kirkland Office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. When the Masters Tournament starts on April 7th, Phil Mickelson will not be in the field for the first time since 1994. Augusta National confirmed Mickelson, a three-time winner of the event, will not play. Mickelson has been in hot water since making disparaging remarks about the PGA Tour related to an upstart golf circuit in Saudi Arabia. Well, two weeks from now, another Masters will have come and gone. A green jacket will be awarded and Augusta National will be in our rearview mirror. What we know for sure is that Phil Mickelson will not be playing. All kinds of speculation as to why our next guest had his fair share of success in the Masters. He also knows what it's like to be in trouble. 
with the golf powers. He's five-time winner on the PGA Tour. Ken Green back on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Kenny. Hey, man. How's it going out there? Everything is okay. How are you? I have no complaints. I'm uh, I'm currently in, in Arkansas trying to uh, solve some problems, and it's uh, pretty nice weather here. Okay, very good. No question by now that Phil has been quietly suspended by the PGA Tour, in your estimation. Why, the Masters could still have him. What do you think of all this? Here's what's happened. At least this is how it works. If Phil had showed up at Augusta, that means that they wouldn't have worked anything out and agreed on a time. When, when Phil decides to not play, they've worked something out and say, all right, I'm only going to be spending a month or two. Maybe there was an agreement that he can play in the PGA and defend, or it might even be longer. But if they were still button heads, he would be at Augusta. So they've, they've come up with some, some agreement, similar to what DJ went through a few years back when he didn't show up for the Masters or play in the, the Ryder Cup. You know, it was a agreed amount of time of suspension, and then no one ever talks about it, and they forget about it, which I'm dead against. How do you ever learn a lesson if it's not out in the public? Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. So you're saying that you believe that there's been a resolution between the PGA Tour and Phil Mickelson. How does the Masters play into this? The Masters could still have him play in the golf tournament if they wanted to, right? Yeah, that's that's why I'm saying when, when Phil said he wasn't going to play or, or he's not you know showing up, that means to me that they've, they've agreed on some sort of time. If they hadn't agreed, Monaghan might have said, we're suspending you for a year. Maybe it's only going to be three months or five months. You know, mm-hmm. They've agreed on something. Now, whether it was right or, or wrong or not, you and I can get into, but yes. there's no doubt in my mind that's what's happened. Do you think he should have been suspended? Do you think he should be suspended Ab- for a long time? Absolutely not. I, I, I'm not a Phil fan at all. You know, I think he gets in trouble way too often. All he was doing was just expressing his opinions. And it's really the, the tour is run a form like a dictatorship and that you, you know, they, they don't want you to say anything negative one way or the other. And all he did was say some things that he didn't agree with. Maybe he helped a potential organization with some better bylaws, at least in his opinion. He just hasn't committed the crime yet. As far as I'm concerned to be thrown into the pool of piranhas to me at this stage is just wrong. Do you think he'll be warmly received by the golfing public when he comes back, I, I think it's it's pretty telling how few of his peers on the tour, few of the players, have been backing him through all of this. Well, again, you got to look at it. There's, it takes a lot of guts for a player to to stand up against the tour. They're just not in that position. None of them, none of them want to want the fight. None of them are going to put the fight up against the commissioner. You know, you got to remember this commissioner was picked by Fincham. So he's going to be exactly like Fincham. He's going to play hardball and he's going to push you to the wall. You know, like some of his statements were, were ludicrous in my opinion, but that's what the tour does. You know, you know, Beeman picked Fincham, Fincham picked Monaghan. They're going to be just like each other and they play hardball. I mean, it's, it's the craziest thing in the world, but to me, it's like, I think the players will be fine with Phil. It's not like they called him out or called them out. I mean, every one of these players has played in China before. All our damn clubs are made in China. I mean, if we really want to get picky, we shouldn't be doing anything with anybody that like China or you know, Saudi Arabia if we're going to start calling countries out. I mean, 
that's why I've always been a big believer that sports and politics should be separate. Uh, and this is part of the reason. I mean, you know, China is no better than Saudi Arabia. And, and yet, you know, we've had HBC's World Golf Championships there. And, and like I said, I, God knows how much stuff we make over there that we all we all buy without a problem. You don't think for a second that fans won't cheer him when he plays again. I think the fans will be fine with him. You know, that the great thing about our country is we're a forgiven country. Whether you believe he should be forgiven or not, that's what we do. He's come out and said he was sorry. And Phil is probably the most liked golfer since Arnold Palmer. Tiger might have more fans, but Tiger has more fans because he won more. But Phil actually was good to people. And now, I don't know how many people remember this because – Maybe they're not as old as me, but when Phil first came out, he was not good with people. Somebody got to Phil and taught him how, explained to him and taught him how to be good and how much he can make from it. Now, I'm assuming that someone was Palmer. Mm -hmm. I don't know that for a fact, but all of a sudden he became a very outgoing and lovable person. Well, look at his endorsement money went up skyrocketed, and I think people will, will support him. It's really sad because what he pulled off last year at the PGA, you know, winning at the almost 51 years old was incredible. You know, and it, it would really be sad if he wasn't allowed to uh, defend the title. You know what it's like to be suspended by the PGA Tour, Kenny? Uh, well, now that you mention that, I do know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? It's funny because when I, the first time I got suspended, it was like I'd actually had a beer with my pro-am partner in Las Vegas. And we were at a secondary course, not a soul in sight. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, three ams and a pro. And they brought me a beer, and it was my 52nd hole. And I was about to miss the cut, so I drank it. The only one out there was an official. He comes over to me and says, hey, is that a beer in your hand? I go, no, it's ginger ale. <laughs> you know, and I just kind of smirked, and he smirked. And, and I thought that was that. Well, the baffoon went over to the to – the, uh, the defender and asked if anybody bought any ginger ale. He said, no, we don't have ginger ale. So, you know, it was just beer. <laughs> so they, he reports it to my brother-in-law who was the head official. Uh, and he says, we'll write him up. So they wrote me up and Finch him then finds me and suspends me. So now I'm, I'm talking to Tim. I'm like, you're literally going to find me and suspend me for being nice to the pro-am partners. <laughs> I had all, all three of them called and all stood up for me saying what a great guy he was playing with. But Fincham just didn't like me. And he, he, he would take every, every chance he had to nail me. I, I, got, I got a lot of holes in me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that was the first time. But I want to talk about the time you were suspended in 1997. I'm reading that there were four reasons. Do you know the four off the top of your head, or do you need me to tell you the four reasons you were suspended in 97? Well, uh, one was they're dumb. The other is they're stupid. <laughs> Three is they're foolish. And four is they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Because you do uh, – hold on, hold uh, on, hold on. You've talked about a couple of these things with us before on the show. Uh, let's right. – no, in, in no certain order, the infamous beer with Arnold Palmer walking down 15 at Augusta National. Rekindle that that story. Yeah, that was that was such a phenomenal week because it was weird because I had I had accidentally broken my thumb the night before. Right. And I shot eighty seven. Right. So I was gonna withdraw 
and figuring, you know, what's the point of playing? And then I found out I was paired with Palmer. Now our ages were wide enough that I had never played with Palmer. So I said, I'm playing because I mean, who doesn't want to play with Arnold Palmer? And it was one of the best days I've ever had on the golf course. He was, he was great. I mean, we had, we had laughs, we told stories. He told me some great stories. So I had my friend on 15 grab a beer. Cause I'm like, when's my last chance? I'm going to have a, a beer with, with the King. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I said, aren't just wanted to say it's been a great day. I just have to have this beer so I can say we had a, you know, a, a beer with you. And his answer was like, oh, you didn't bring me one. <laughs> so that was, you know, that's a memory that, that I'll have that can, you know, is, is as good as any I have. Okay. So that's, that's one reason you were suspended in 97. Did you show up at the Honda classic in shorts, Kenneth green? I did, but see what, <laughs> what they failed to remember is I was an alternate. So I really wasn't supposed to get in. I was like the fifth alternate. Yeah. I wasn't at the course. I was actually playing golf with my buddies. And for whatever reason, five guys withdrew that morning. So I get a call saying, Hey, you, can you be on the tee in an hour? <laughs> now it's a, it, it's about a 58 minute drive <laughs> and that's only counting drive time. So I'm like, all right. So I hum into the car and get everything. My old man's with me. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm flying down there. I 95 flying down I 95. It was, it was, it was actually the turnpike. The it turnpike. was when the course was at blue heron Okay, on the West side of, of, uh, of the East side of Florida, so to speak. Yeah. And it, uh, I got there with like four minutes to spare and walked right to the T. The official looks at me and goes, you can't play. I go, what do you mean? I can't play because <laughs> you got shorts on. <laughs> I go, do you know the definition of shorts and pants? He goes, no. I said, well, the pants is anything that is considered knee length. And he looked at me like I was a fool. And I'm like, go look it up. It'll, it'll show you right there. <laughs> he says, fine, but you're wearing my rain pants. <laughs> <laughs> so you wore the guy's rain pants. So I wore the guy's rain pants. Uh, all right. Incident. I, I think it might have been the same year as the Palmer beer. Was there an incident with Ray Floyd at the end of uh, one of the rounds? Yeah, that was the same. That was the same day with uh, with Palmer. What happened? Because it was. As strange things have happened <laughs> when I played with superstars for the very first time, not that I planned them or intended, it just happened. And, uh, you know, I was saying that, you know, Balmer was so unique and great and, you know, one of those incredible rounds. And, you know, I played with other superstars, you know, Jack was unbelievable in the story. I have that for that day, Seve the first time, but, you know, we had that little fight when he was leading the masters. Yep. And then I said, you know, and I just said, well, you know, Ray Floyd was, a, I think the official word I used was a dirt ball. <laughs> uh, it was a dirt ball to play with because the man didn't say one word to us. You know, I'd never even met Ray Floyd and, and my friend and I, Bob Boyd, God rest his soul. He's, he's passed. You know, we were brand new to the tour and it was Sunday and we were the first group out on Sunday. So, you know, I get, we're not playing well, but we made the cut, you know, when you're new on tour, that's not a bad thing. Wait a second. Where is this? This is at Miami at Doral. At Doral. And this is this yeah. is Floyd's fifth major. This is the one he, you know, because yes. it's rated his hometown. Right. And so I get that he's pissed at all that. But he literally didn't say one word to us until the 10th hole when he kind of pull hooks his shot going for the green. And the ball never sniffs get carrying the water. <laughs> and he goes all the way up and drops it. 
And he, he looks at Boyd because Boyd was closest. And he just says, boy, I'm dropping right here. <laughs> well, next thing I know, I'm walking out of the rough. And Bob Boyd's looking at me. He's got this great North Carolina drawl. He goes, Green, Green, goddamn Masters PGA champions. Cheating, Green, cheating. <laughs> like, holy shit, what are we going to do? And Boyd is so flustered, he literally shanks his wedge. Oh. I mean, shanks. Floyd had knocked it on about 45 feet, and he makes the putt for par. Oh. And now Boyd is even more rattled. <laughs> I'm trying not to say anything. <laughs> And then, and then on the next hole, he knocks it six feet and he pre-jacks it. So now the three of us are walking up the, the tee, a little bit of an, uh, of an up ramp. And it's, it's Bob on the left, Floyd in the middle and me on the right. And without looking at me, he just says, deserves the bleep right for cheating. And I was like, oh, oh Jesus, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> well, I don't know if the light bulb went off or not. Floyd must have realized that he dropped in the wrong spot. Now Floyd is not a cheater. He just was pissed and not paying attention. You know, so no, and that's all I've meant by it. He was a dirt ball to play with until he cheated. And then he was the great guy and he, he never stopped talking for the next eight holes. So now I'm fighting with Fincham on this, you know, like all I did was tell the truth and I've got people to back it up. Ken, Ken, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm confused. So after the round at Doral, you, you publicly outed, Floyd for taking a bad drop? Is that no, what you're saying? I didn't I didn't that was 1983. I didn't say a word for, for 14 years. So what I, happened? I said it when we when we got done playing with Palmer that day. Oh. And, I, and when I said it, I just said it as a matter of fact, not that I was calling Floyd out as a cheater. I you know, I was just talking about how weird things happen when I play with superstars. Oh. For the very first time. You know, and and Floyd was a story I'll never forget. Oh. You know, and, Palmer was a story I'll never forget. Nicholas, Savage, you know, just weird things. And then, of course, the media and everybody just runs with it from there. What, what year was it? Yeah, was it 97? 97 with Palmer. And then after the fact, after the round, you, you called Floyd a dirtball at that point. This is, and this right. is 14 years. I, I said he was a, I, I, the quote was, he was a dirtball to play with until he cheated. Until he cheated. I believe that was I believe that was the sentence, yeah. <laughs> he, he was a dirt ball to play with until he treat, cheated. And that was 14 then, years later. And, this was and then he was the nicest guy in the world. This was this was 14 years after the incident in Doral. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't trying to rat him out or anything. <laughs> I was just talking about how how it was one of those days you'll never forget. Oh. You know, like I've had with, you know, the Nicholas story and the Seve story. And, you know, it's just I, I've been – fortunate that the days that I played with superstars, weird things happened. Tell us the Nicholas story at Pebble in what, 82? Yeah, that was unbelievable. 82 was my first year on tour and I qualified for my first U.S. Open, which was at Pebble Beach, which, you know, my gosh, what a, what a place to qualify for. And we had signed up for a practice round and somehow there was five of us on the sheet. So I told the guys, listen, you guys go, I'll figure it out. The starter looks at me, goes, geez, Mr. Green, we're, we're full. I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, a little time goes by and all of a sudden there's a mob shows up on the first tee. And I was like, damn, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden Tom Weisskopf squeezes through the crowd. I'm like, ah, it's Tom Weisskopf. And then all of a sudden there's a pardon of the ways. The people just move <laughs> and Nicholas just walks right through. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, that's Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, holy cow. So 
Jack looks at the starter and the starter says, hello, Mr. Nichols, how are you? And Jack says, fine. The starter says, do you have a time? And Jack says, no. And the starter says, you're on the tee. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's, it's only right. It's Jack Nicholas. He deserves that. Yeah. And then he goes, how many do you have? And Jack says, just the two of us. And now, now it's coming. It just popped into my head. He's going to put me with Jack Nichols. <laughs> and I'm petrified. I don't want this to happen. And I, I can't get out of it. Jack says, there's only, only two of us. Yeah, would you mind if young Mr. Green played with you? And... I had an absolute phenomenal time for 15 holes. And then on the 15th hole, Jack disappears. Oh. I'm talking to Tom. I'm like, Tom, what's up with Jack? I don't know. And I said, well, what are we supposed to do? We'll keep playing. He'll find us. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. That's Tom Weisskopf. I'm going to listen to Tom. And then uh, we tee off on 16. And all of a sudden, Jack comes walking through the crowd. And he's got uh, four peach ice cream cones. Now at that time, peach was his favorite flavor. So he went and got, he got me, Ken Green, a peach ice cream cone. So I was like, oh my Lordy, this is a beauty. So now, now we get to 18 and both Tom and Jack just bomb it down there. Now this was back in the day with persimmon and all that. Weisskopf gets over the ball and, and Jack pulls him back, says, Hey, wait. And Tom goes, what? Eagles for dinner. Tom says, sure. Tom, Tom gets over the ball, he waggles, and he stops. He goes, wait. He goes, you have your whole freaking family here. And Jack just smiles, and Tom says, fine. So he whacks his three wood and flies it right at the lip of the bunker and rolls in the bunker. Now, Jack's got 252 yards to the front and about 260 to the hole. He pulls out a one iron. Now, I look at my caddy, and I say to him, what the hell does he think he's doing? Weisskopf just hit a three-wood and couldn't good there. Now, here I am telling my caddy that Jack Douglas doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, he hits this one iron that I will never, ever forget. The thing went straight up in the air, flies 253 yards, rolls on the, you know, pin hide about 25 feet, and he ends up making the putt. And the crowd goes nuts. And it was just, it was just a day that I'll, I'll never forget because he, he was like Palmer, too. Answered any question I, I threw at him, gave me advice, and you know it was just it was just a day I'll never forget. Last one from Ken Green, who makes his return here to Mitch Unfiltered. One more for you that you haven't told us before. I don't know if it's a long story or short story. Is it true that Payne Stewart, the late great Payne Stewart, and Curtis Strange got into a wrestling match on a flight? Is that right? Well, seeing that I can't be sued, I'll have to tell the truth. Uh, we were going over for what is today's president's cup okay. where they tried to, the first attempt was to do it with four continents. So our team, you know, Curtis, Payne Stewart, Calc, myself, you know, and all the other studs of that era, we took up the whole first class. And so we were playing cards. Some of us were drinking. I'm not going to say whether I was, <laughs> uh, and next thing I know, Payne and Stewart are starting to yell at each other. You know how that gets going. Hold on. You said Payne and Stewart. You mean Payne Stewart and Curtis Strange are yelling yeah, at each sorry. other. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Payne, Payne Stewart and Curtis are yelling at each other. Yeah. Now they stand up, and it's getting loud. And next thing I know, and I don't know who pushed who first, <laughs> but they're both on the ground rolling, trying to hit each other. <laughs> 
Oh, oh. It, was, it was a classic. Oh, God. How'd you guys do? Uh, we won. Okay. <laughs> yep, I, I, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to say we won. How was the flight back in first class? <laughs> uh, well, we all kind of went our separate ways. It was weird. I, you know, cause we, we flew in and one of the worst lightning storms that I've ever been in, we were getting prone left and right. You know how everyone goes into like a fear and they're quiet and no one's saying a word. It's total silence. And, and I'm like, I finally, I, I yell, I go, Calc, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I know, I have this, this, I got, I got a, a flood of shut the, you know, you know, you can figure out the rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great to visit with you. Ken Green, always, uh, are always colorful, not just the name. By the way, you don't think Tiger Woods is going to play at Augusta in a couple weeks, do you? I, I think I'd be stunned if he did. I, I think we'd have more rumors about how much he's practicing and, yeah. and, yeah. and going at it. and. Yeah. I, you know, Tiger's, he's not going to do it unless he knows he can do it. He's in the Jack mentality. He doesn't want to play unless he thinks he can actually win. He won't just go to play. Let's talk after it. Thank you very much for being back with us. It's great to visit with you. Have fun in Arkansas, okay? All right, buddy. Be good. Well, it's time for some humble pie. Normally. Katie Versio, Senior Financial Planner, Evergreen Golf Call, is back with us. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to go better than one for three. What's the theme this week? So the theme today, it's a March market update. I'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of volatility in the market. I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, The Evergreen Exchange. So that's a bi-weekly podcast that we put out that discusses investing, the economy, and financial planning topics. So for those of your listeners that are interested in listening to that podcast, you can find the Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen. Very good. I love the Evergreen Exchange, which means I'm going to do very well this week. Question number one, I'm ready. So inflation numbers for February were recently announced. The highest rate of inflation since 1982. What was that percentage? Was it 6%, 7%, 8% or 9%? Oh, I think it's 7 or 8. I'll go 7%. I'll go B. It was actually 8%, so 7.9%. You were close. You're in the ballpark there. Down. Yeah, so that's the highest number, almost 40 years. It's driven so much by commodity prices, the price of oil. We're all seeing that at the pump. So it's been gradually increasing for the last year or so, and, and these numbers are quite staggering. I'm 0 for 1. Question number 2 with Katie Versio. Many market indexes, like the NASDAQ, as well as some European and Asian stocks, are now in what's considered a bear market. So how much does the market have to be down for it to be considered a bear market? Is it down 15, 20, or 25%? I'll say 15%, Katie. Actually, 20%. So the NASDAQ is down about 20% now. And within that, about half of the names in that index are down about 50% from their one-year highs. So there's been a huge pullback in that area. A lot of different companies are down. So it's been a, it's been a really volatile year. I'm 0 for 2. I got one last shot, but I'm feeling good about question 3. What do you got? So during times of market volatility, I spend a lot of time coaching clients about the importance of staying invested and remembering to buy low and sell high. So there was a study done where if you if you invested $10,000 into the S&P 500 20 years ago, that you would have returned about 9.5% annually. However, if you sold out and missed the 10 best days in the market, your return would have 
substantially suffered. Let's say you did that, you missed the 10 best days. What would your return have been annually? 5%, 6%, or 7%? I'm gonna say I'm staying with a 5%. That's right, yes. you got that one. Yeah, so I think it's pretty staggering to see that you know, if you would have just stayed invested, you would return about 9.5%, but if you missed the 20 best days of the year, you would have shrunk that return to 5%. So it really highlights the importance to stay invested and to stay with the strategy. And maybe even invest some more when it's down. Katie Versio. That's exactly right. We love Katie Versio. Evergreen Golf Call, the Evergreen Exchange, a bi-weekly podcast. Evergreen's been a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. The Auburn Trojans are on a mission. The Trojans feature four seniors that have been teammates for a while. Trey Blassingame, Malik Arrington, Daquan Watson, and Caden Hansen. Not only is this team loaded with four seniors that will all play college ball next year, but head coach Ryan Hansen is pretty good too. He was the state's all-time leading scorer from 92 to 95, played at Eastern Washington, and he still got it. A few Saturdays ago, our next guest coached his Auburn High School basketball team to a Washington State 3A title with a win over Rainier Beach, 58-48. And in so doing, captured a spot in the coveted State Champions Invitational Tournament. I hope I have that right. In Tampa in April, here's former Eastern Washington player and now Trojans coach, Ryan Hansen. How are you, coach? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on today. Congratulations. Did I read this right? 115 years old. The school is not you. The school and one title. This is the first title? Yeah, I believe so. That's what they tell me. Um, you know, I've been the head coach at Auburn for 20 years, and I know for sure that was it was the first in my tenure. And, uh, yeah, I've heard from lots of alumni that were attended Auburn High a long, long time ago. And, uh, yeah, they were able to confirm that as well. So we're excited to bring the first championship to the Auburn community and Auburn High School. Incredible. How's the afterglow been? I heard that there was a nice celebration at City Hall. Was there a parade for these guys? Yeah, you know, the, the community has really embraced us and, uh, you know, has, has shown us lots of love over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, we had a parade of champions down main street that ended nice. at city hall with uh the mayor and the city council members and uh it was it was awesome to see all the people out there from the community celebrating our team yeah i mean these kids have worked so hard and just to see and be able to to celebrate like this a lot of fun there was even a young man on the team named hansen spelled the same way h-a-n-s-e-n I gather you know a little bit about his game over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Caden, uh, you know, he turned out to be a pretty good player for us. Um, coaching your your son, you know, it, it's been a, a blast. Been a lot of ups and downs over the uh, course of the last four years, you know, early on in his career, freshman, sophomore year. You know, he's a very competitive kid, much like me, and, uh, you know, wanted to be on the floor a little bit more than he was, but he, he just kind of had to wait his turn and, and then over the course of the the pandemic and being everything shut down, you know, he grew six inches, wow. came back his junior year, was league MVP, led us in scoring at 20 a game, and then uh, was instrumental in our run to the state title, led us in scoring at the state tournament. Wow. Had a really special, special senior year. So it was a lot of fun, and it was a special ride to be able to coach Caden and, and obviously have it end the way it did. So many of us have coached our son – 
you know, when they're growing up in 12s and 13s and 14s, what's what's the difference? What's the challenge of trying to coach a, a competitive 3A high school champion in the state of Washington and having your son on the team? Well, I think you just, you know, I mean, he's, he's just uh, another player on the roster. And, you know, that's the way that we, you know, I treat a Caden, you know, when we're down at practice and in games in the locker room, you know, he's one of 12 guys on the roster and uh, just trying to, to treat him that way. And, you know, obviously the card ride home after the game, when we get back to the house, you know, then I'm dad again yeah. um, and yeah. get to have those conversations as a dad. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, there's lots of guys that, that I've in our program that I've been around for a long, long time. You know, Daquan Watson and Caden were playing together in first grade. And, you know, I was able to coach those kids back then. And then Malik joined us in third grade. And a lot of those kids, I've seen them grow up from elementary school aged kids all the way to seniors in high school. So I've been around those kids for a long time. And like I said, Caden was when we're down at the gym and we're in the team room, we're in the locker room. You know, he's one of 12. What's his uh, basketball future like, Coach? Um, he signed with uh, St. Martin's University. Okay. Um, he did that prior to our season this year, and so he's really excited about nice. that. And St. Martin's won the GNAC this year, had a, had a great year. Coach Landon down there is doing an awesome job, and it's really good for us because, you know, it's 45 minutes away, so we get an opportunity to watch Caden play um, pretty close to home. Everyone's talking and writing about how you took out three Metro League powers on route – uh, to the title. Garfield, I don't understand how you play Car Garfield in the quarterfinals. You'll explain that to me. Prep and Rainier Beach, that just doesn't happen. In fact, I'll, I'll allow our listeners to know that not only has the Metro League won, I think, nine in a row up until now, state titles. In seven of those state championship games, both teams were from the Metro League. So you broke quite a string. That must have been a, a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, you know, it was really tough. Um, those are storied programs. You know, they play a really tough brand of basketball. And, uh, you know, we really, we kind of wanted it that way. We kind of wanted to go through the Metro. And um, we were kind of thinking early on that we might meet up with Garfield in, in a potential state championship game. And it, like you mentioned, it, it, it didn't happen that way. But yeah, it was it was a grind. You know, our kids really really locked in. I thought we played exceptional defense and uh, were very physical, rebounded the ball well. And, you know, you, you look at our scores for the most part, you know, I think we averaged on the season um, a little over 80 points a game. And then we get into the Tacoma Dome, you know, we, we score uh, 45 against Seattle Prep in a win. We score 58 against Rainier Beach in a win, 64 against Garfield. So really we had to lock in defensively and uh, keep you know, keep them off the glass, win the rebound battle as well. And we did a really good job of that in those four days. Garfield, I think, was supposed to win this thing. You had played them in the regular year. Did you uh, did you lose to them in the regular year? And how did it become that you guys, the best two teams, played in the quarterfinal instead of the championship game? Yeah, so we played Garfield. Uh, we, we hosted a holiday tournament, and we played Garfield in the championship game of that holiday tournament. And... Uh, we had a seven point lead going into the fourth quarter and squandered that lead and ended up losing that game to Garfield. And then fast forward to postseason, we played a regional game against uh, a good Mount Spokane team and we dropped that game. So essentially that put us on the same side of the bracket ah. as Garfield. Had we won that game, we would have been on the opposite side. So, but you know, our kids uh, handled that loss, a lot of maturity. They, you know, we're very positive, upbeat, 
they really were just talking about, you know, if we take care of business at the dome, it's really just going to give us another game, another opportunity to play together. So essentially we got four games instead of three. And so I was really proud of the way they handled that loss. And, you know, after losing that game to Garfield in, in December, you know, our kids really wanted to play him again and uh, to get that opportunity just so happened to be in the quarterfinals. Our kids were ready for, for that challenge. So you were once 4A, now 3A. You're 3A state champions. You had the seven seniors. You had your son. The most heralded player on your team, I think, is Trey Blassingame. I hope I pronounced that right. 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Are we going to see him in the Pac-12 next year? Where do you where where is he headed? Man, I would I would hope so. Trey's still undecided. Um, he's going to be on the EYBL uh, circuit this summer. You know, so he'll be out playing in front of a lot of colleges. He's kind of just keeping his recruitment open. But as far as a high school resume, you know, it doesn't get any better for Trey. You know, he's a state champion. He was our league MVP this year. Uh, the 3A state player of the year, first team, everything, you know, first team, all league, first team, all area, first team, all state. So he's got a great resume. He's a great kid. Um, he's an exceptional student, great competitor, probably the best leader that I've coached in my 20 years wow. at Auburn, just very vocal. He's kind of the guy the rock that kind of held us all together. Where are the offers coming from so far? You know, there's a lot of interest right now. No offers. He holds a couple of Division II offers, okay. um, Alaska Fairbanks. I think the, re the recruiting has changed so much in the last couple of years with the transfer portal and the COVID, the extra COVID year for a lot of the college kids. As this college season is, is finishing, uh, I think that these coaches are going to do their exit meetings and kind of figure out where their rosters lie and what their needs are. And then, you know, hopefully something becomes available for Trey. I can tell you that, Whoever pulls the trigger with Trey is is going to be really happy they did. Yeah. Um, you can't go wrong with that kid. Ryan Hansen is the coach. Now, before you go, Ryan Hansen was also a hell of a player. Let me see if I've got this right. Cascade High School, Leavensworth, is that right? That's the one, yeah. Were you, at, Kodiaks. Were you, were you at one time the highest scoring player in Washington State prep history? Is that correct? Once upon a time, yeah. <laughs> a couple of guys have passed you by? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I think I might be like four or five okay. right now. Yeah. All right. You played junior college ball, and then you went to Eastern Washington where you were a double-digit scorer for a Division One Eastern Washington University school your final year. Um, I, I have to ask you, you know I'm going to ask, about the 1998 Big Sky opening game at Idaho State. Our listeners deserve the right. We put them through hell listening to two of us talk about high school sports. The least you could do is tell them about 1998 Big Sky opener, Eastern Washington against Idaho State. Please. Yeah, that was a that was a fond memory uh, for me, and it seems like a long time ago. I'm getting old, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So we were on the road at, in Pocatello. It was our first big sky matchup and I'd actually given up the lead. Um, I was guarding a guy that we were up one. He shot the ball about 12 feet baseline and I did not box out and he got his own rebound oh. and went in and, uh, and made it with 0.9 on the clock. So we oh. had under a second, we had the whole length of the court to go. The play was actually designed to, to throw deep, kind of like a Christian Leitner play mm -hmm. to our big point guard. And uh, they took that away. So it was inbounded to me from about 55 feet. I just turned and, and launched it and it banked in and, and we won the game and it, it ended up being the college play of the year that year. And it was pretty cool. You know, we were at Applebee's after the game there in Pocatello. <laughs> I had no idea. We were watching ESPN and 
the top 10 comes on. And I think it was number two that night on, on ESPN top 10. So that was special. Wait a second. You banked it in. I banked it in. Yeah. Does it I, still I don't count? Know if I called bank or not. It doesn't count. <laughs> does it? If you bank it, come on. I've had one hole in one in my life. And I, and I gloated to my brother that I had a hole in one. And he asked if I sank it on the fly. And I said, yeah. no, no, I, I rolled in. He said, not as good. Not as good unless you hold it from the on the fly. Does the bank is the bank as good? Yeah, I would probably would have preferred no bank, but uh, <laughs> I'll take it the way um, it went in. It was a great celebration on the court. We had lots of fun in the locker room, and it kind of propelled us to uh, to a great league record. We ended up being league champs that year, won the Big Sky, and so it was a uh, it was a really special year Beautiful. there in Cheney. So, so my last question to you, Ryan, is how how does it how does it compare? What's the difference between celebrating as a player and as a team member, a big shot like that, or a, a title, a regular season title? How does that compare to your first ever state title 20 years later where you're coaching young men? Well, that's a great question. Um, I'm a great competitor. I love to compete, and I love to compete as a player. And to work so hard as a player to get to that level and to – you know, have, have a moment like that and get to celebrate with your teammates was really, really special, but I don't think anything compares to what I experienced two Saturdays ago. You know, I've watched a lot of these kids work so hard for so long, putting in so many hours, you know, when we were shut down because of the pandemic, you know, these guys were up at my house spending hours on and hours on the gun, which is a shooting machine, um, on the Vertimax, you know, I just watched these kids work so, so hard. And then to see it all come to fruition their senior year and win something like that was just a really, really cool moment for me as a coach. You know, like I mentioned, I've been at Auburn 20 years. So many of my teams in the past have really wanted that moment and worked hard for that moment. And as a coaching staff, you know, we've really worked hard to to get our kids to that moment. So to to feel that, to see that final buzzer or hear that final buzzer go off and see the community of Auburn, you know, thousands of people from Auburn um, come out to that game on Saturday and everyone get to celebrate it together. There was no moment like that I've ever experienced in my athletic career. Beautiful. Who do you play in Tampa? Uh, we play Norcross High School out of Georgia. Oh. 7A state champion out of Georgia. Yeah, they're very, very, very good. And uh, yeah, we got our hands full, but our kids, one thing I know about our kids is they're not going to back down. They're going to be ready for the challenge. So we're looking forward to it. And... We can watch that game on ESPN? Yeah, so we play uh, April 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so 3 p.m. here in the Seattle area. It's on ESPNU. Mm -hmm. If we win that game, we'll play again on April 9th in what would be considered the national championship game at 9 a.m. our time on ESPN2. That's awesome. Coach, congratulations. You're already champs. Doesn't matter what you do. Go, go uh, represent the state of Washington well. All the best to you and your son and your family. What a great story this is about Auburn High School after 115 years celebrating its first state championship. Thank you, Coach. Congratulations. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about our team and our season. It was great talking to you. Thanks. Hey, now, Zeke's president and March Madness bracket expert, Dan Black, rejoins <laughs> us here on Mitch Unfiltered. You know, you saved us last year. Yeah, or you saved yourself. We didn't have to give away too many prizes because of your bracket last year. Yeah, no, I kind of bailed us out last year. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Dan, how are you? How are how are the Zeke's Pizza locations as we continue our return to kind of closer to normal? 
Uh, you know, it's good. It is great for the world to feel less covid and it is great at Zeke's to have people in our bars being festive, in our dining rooms being festive. And, uh, you know, that's that's the overwhelming feeling right now is just coming out of COVID. It's been great for our catering business to have people coming back to the work and going to the office. Catering's a big business for us, and we do a lot of corporate delivery downtown to Amazon and Facebook and stuff like that. So that's that's been fun, too. How about the return to normal? Does it hurt the delivery layer of your business? Yeah, it changes it a little bit. You know, there's less residential takeout and delivery, but with bar business coming back, dining coming back. And then, like I say, the big thing is if catering comes back, that more than offsets all of that stuff. So it, yeah. it's overall, it's good. It's a Levy family tradition, the tournament family pool at a Zeke's location. We picked up Max in the middle of finals. At the UW, he was thrilled about that. And the four of us had pizza, salads, and brackets. What do you guys have going in terms of tournament specials, Dan? Yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff going for March Madness this year. It's great. My favorite thing is we've got dollar slices going at all our bars if you're in there drinking. Nice. We got good pint specials going on Lateral A and Hop Tropic. We got Tall Boys of Zeke and Destroy for uh, cheap. And so I've been posting up at the bars, watching the games, and eating <laughs> dollar slices. What am I hearing about the Kraken? post-game specials at my favorite Belltown bar location. Yeah, that's actually where we started the dollar slice thing. So uh, after every crack and home game, now we keep the bar open late and have good drink specials going on. And like I say, the main thing is we got dollar slices going if you're sitting at the bar drinking. So that's it's super fun. Beautiful. Good times at Zeke's Pizza, who has been just an amazing supporter of me through my radio days. And now since the beginning with a podcast as it's grown, Mitch Unfiltered, Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 184. You want to go first? Fergus Farrelly woke up on January 7th at his mother's house in Ireland when he noticed a marble-sized lump on his private parts. What's his name? Fergus Farrelly. Are you making this up? The 26-year-old initially dismissed it, but over the next few days, the lump grew bigger and bigger. On the third day, sounds like a joke, he was finally <laughs> persuaded to go to the ER after the lump had reached the size of a God golf ball almighty. and was turning purple on the privies. He said, I had no idea what it was when I first went to the hospital. The doctors didn't know either. It was getting bigger and bigger. It was burning. To make matters worse, just hours after he arrived, the huge cyst burst, leaving <laughs> a giant hole where it had once been. Over the next few days, doctors ran a number of tests on Fergus. <laughs> You're going to tell me there's a spider that went in there and laid eggs. And finally found venom of a black widow spider in his blood tests. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. A black widow spider bit him right there on the privies. Oh. Now, it, did, it didn't lay eggs, but it bit him there. So everyone sleep well tonight knowing at some point a spider might crawl up your leg. I'm and wearing a cup tonight. <laughs> Something tells me you wear that every night. <laughs> so there you go. But the good news is he's recovered, Fergus. Oh, God. That's my first story. Be careful out there when you sleep. Oh, by the way, I used to, you know, in the summer, sometimes when you're hot, you'll have a, do you ever have like a cup of water by the bed? You wake up thirsty for whatever reason. Sure, why not? And, I, and then I was thinking one time, what if, what if during the middle of the night, a spider called up my cup and then fell in and drowned? And then in the dark, I'm fumbling for the cup and I just take a big hit and down goes the spider. So I can't do it anymore now. I have to just I say to be my dehydrated. Wife, I say to my wife all the time, or, wouldn't you like to have a, a second home or a home in Scottsdale oh, or in Arizona? Yeah. You're a big Arizona guy. Yeah. And her answer every time is, what are the names of the little... Oh, scorpions? Yeah. Yeah. No. 
She says no because of the scorpions. And the rattlesnakes and everything else. Don't talk to her about the rattlesnakes, (laughs) please. I'm trying to defend the scorpions right now. I have no shot against the rattlesnakes. My sister who lives there taught me long ago to shake out your shoes. Is that what they are? They're not tarantulas. They're scorpions. They have scorpions down there. Yeah. Scorpions have the little tail in the back that goes like this. She doesn't want to see one of those. And it stings you. Oh. Yeah, not good, scorpions. But my sister said, shake the shoes out before you put them on and you're good. Really? Yeah, everyone knows that down there. Yeah. (laughs) Don't. Yeah, I, I have I've no shot. I've seen a rattler oh. at, uh, at uh, the old father-in-law's house. Little rattlesnakes scooting around. Really? Yeah, sure. They're everywhere. They got those uh, those wild those wild boars too. <laughs> the javelinas. <laughs> they got javelinas down there that'll get you. They got all kinds of things. A Boston reporter says that the Buccaneers and Dolphins are working on a trade to send Tom Brady to the Dolphins. What? Yes. Come on. I kid you not. <laughs> Dale Arnold, longtime Boston area reporter, who apparently has some connections to Brady, says, don't be surprised if Tom Brady not only decides to come back, which he's already done, but he plays next season with Tyreek, with Jalen, and the rest of the Miami Dolphins. Well, how would you feel about that? Tua out, Brady in. Oh, my God. Forget, like... I wouldn't know how... I wouldn't even... I'd I'd cease to exist. (laughs) I hate Tom Brady. I like Tom Brady. I hate Tom Brady. I like Tom Brady. How would you feel with the uh, teal on, whatever the color is down there? Chucking the ball around to Tyreek. You'd be the biggest Tom even, Brady fan of all time. <laughs> Dan who? Marino who? He's out. Tom's in. Let's go. <laughs> that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be crazy. He lives there, right? I mean, wait, no. No, he lives in Tampa. Oh, yeah. I thought he he's had a house Der- in Miami, though. He's in Derek Jeter's old house in Tampa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. All right. Yeah. You want to hear a sweet story really quick? Sure. Merrill Pittman Cooper, he had to drop out of high school during his senior year. In 1938, Uh-oh. when he and his mother relocated to Philadelphia for financial reasons, more than 80 years later, he was finally presented his diploma at mm. 101 years old. Oh. So good for Merrill Pittman Cooper. And by the way, this kind of stuff bothers me and it doesn't bother anyone else. The superintendent's name is Bondi Shea Gibson Learn. L-E-A-R-N. So when I read that, I'm like, is this some cockamamie story with Lark? <laughs> All your stories are cockamamie. <laughs> That's true. Maybe they are. Congratulations to Merrill Pittman, though, for being a high school graduate. Have you seen the footage of your friend Mike Tyson? Yeah. You know, I saw that, and I, I didn't really even know how to explain it on the show. I was like, I don't know. So you're leaving it to me to explain? Please do, yes. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. So Mike Tyson went to a comedy club in Hollywood, Hollywood, California, but to take in a, what, no? It was like a small rooftop. Th- I don't think it's I like a know. comedy club. Anyway, it's not like a big comedy club. It looked like a small little venue on a rooftop. I, I, I read it was a Hollywood club on okay. Tuesday, and he was watching somebody perform, trying to get a, a kick out of somebody performing. Yeah. And some dude in the audience noticed it was him and challenged him to a fight. Right. He kept on yelling, all I need is you, man. All I need is you. It wasn't that he didn't like Mike Tyson. He just wanted to fight. I don't think he was dealing with a full deck. I would agree with you. Yes. He didn't want to fight Mike Tyson because he hated Mike Tyson. Right. He felt like if he fight if he fought Mike Tyson, he could make a name for himself. Yeah, he could prove something to himself or something. I, I, yeah. I don't know exactly. And people were like, and Tyson, I've seen the have you seen the video? Sure, yeah. He doesn't even move. As cool as can be. Like like not like he's go, like he goes through this every night. He, he may very well. I'm okay. sure people have been wanting to fight. So him the guy the guy's yelling and screaming. You can Tyson's not moving a muscle, like nah. whatever, whatever. I guess some of his guys or somebody from the club. I think it was the MC in, tried to they get jump the in. To, yeah. They shove him back. They say, come on, dude. Leave they shove him, alone, him back. Yeah. That's when he pulls out a gun. He sure does. 
And Mike Tyson jumped up and ran out like a big chicken, or did he sit there as cool as can be? Mike Tyson <laughs> behaved like he behaved in the Barbara Walters interview with Robin <laughs> Givens. He didn't move a muscle. No, he may as well have been He in wasn't church. even phased no. by the gun. Everybody else is going crazy. People are running out. Right. And he's People are going under there. tables. He ultimately hugs the guy. But he tells him to come here. Come over. The guy come has a over. gun and he invites yeah. him over. Come on over. Come on over. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Spino. Come on over. And they end up hugging and yeah. everything all. And everything's cool and the guy leaves. Cool. The guy leaves. I mean, he completely <laughs> diffused that. I mean, he still might be the toughest guy on the planet at whatever. Still, 55. I mean, I, yeah. It's crazy that he just the was way like, he handled. I would have been freaking out. Of course, the guy's got a gun, and he didn't seem right to begin with. No. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Waving the gun, and it was loaded. It was a loaded gun. Crazy. Yeah, just pulls it out of his pants, and yeah. Mike invited him over for a hug, and it was over. It was over. Come on over. We could have lost Come Mike on, Tyson. Let's hug. Yeah, that was it. Amazing. He was not concerned in the least. Nope, sure wasn't. Nope. Yeah, you would have been under a table over there crying on the <laughs> under phone. Under a table? <laughs> Racing out? You never see me run a 40 so fast. I would have beat Tyreek Hill. An original prototype of Atari's home Pong video game system. Remember Pong? Do I remember Pong? I've told you the stories yes. about Pong. So a I had Pong from Sears. Yes. And when I asked for Pong, Bob Levy said, I'll get you Pong. Yeah. But I got a feeling there's going to be other ones that are coming out. But this is it. You can never get another one. Even into my adult days when I was buying my own stuff, I still was not allowed to get anything <laughs> right. other than the pump. But go ahead. So a prototype of that exact system you're talking about, the Sears one, was featured in a finished Pong. It had a finished Pong chip, and it was a, in, a, in the circuit board. Anyway, they were auctioning this thing off, and I it went for $270,000. What? Yeah, it was a prototype. Now, it's not the one you had. Oh, okay. But maybe the one you had would go for 100 I don't know. But I don't know. I just couldn't believe that a Pong video game system, somebody wanted it for 270000 Now, maybe Bob was onto something. Maybe he knew one day, you sit on that machine, it'll be worth two hundred grand for you one day, kid. Oh. Crazy. 270000 for a Pong. And by the way, you wouldn't even, like, I, I play my old Nintendo sometimes. Like, I, yeah. I play it for two seconds. I'm like, this sucks. Where's the Xbox? Like, it sounds fun. But then you're like, we could do so much better. It's not even fun to like play these. I don't know. I don't like no. playing them anyway. Anyway, so there you go. 270 grand for Pong. I want to tell you about Leah Shutkever. Okay. Leah Shutkever currently claims to hold 27 official world records for eating. Okay. Including fastest time to eat three mince pies. Okay. I think this is one of my jokes. Go on. Fastest time to eat three pickled eggs. Oh, man. And most marshmallows eaten in one minute without using your hands. So scary. Because that thing can make like a cork and fill up your throat. Those marshmallows when oh, they I melt. I have no idea. People have died from stupid contests like that. But marshmallows are very okay. dangerous. Yeah. Should I stop now? No, no. Keep going. Apparently, she just broke the record this week. Another record. Yeah. That's how many McNuggets you can eat in one minute. Yeah. You know the story? I do. It's one of my jokes, actually. <laughs> I do know the story. You're going to bring it back? I am going to. I'm going to. You're going to run it back? We're going to have a, a callback. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, she ate nine. She tried to eat the entire 20 piece McNugget from a box Jeez. in one minute, and she fell one short. 19 McNuggets in one minute. Weight wise, it comes to 352 grams or 12.42 ounces. And that was enough to beat the previous record of 315 grams. So congratulations in order to Leah Shutkever, who ate 19 McNuggets in one minute. Did you see her? See a picture of her? No. Thin as can be. <laughs> really? Well, you remember uh, what, Kobayashi? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Tiny little guy. Yeah, yeah. He was the best in the world. I don't know that he was really the best in the world, but... For a minute there, I think he yeah, was the may- best. maybe for a second. At the yeah. hot dog thing, yeah. 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 It's Until great. Joey came along. Until Joey came along, yes. Yeah. All right, you familiar with Tinder? It's the uh, dating app. Tinder Swindler. You told yeah, me to okay. watch it on TV. Yes. So Tinder users will now see a background check tool integrated into the popular dating app Safety Center. Ah. That's kind of a good idea, right? Yeah. I was thinking about, did you ever see a movie called Amazon Women on the Moon? It was silly. Of course I did because it starred Sybil Danning. Sybil Danning was in Amazon Women on the Moon. She was? I believe so. I okay. may be wrong. Anyway, I loved I that movie wrong. as a kid. It, had it, was like, like, it was like Kentucky Fried That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It had a bunch of sketches yeah, or skits or whatever. Yeah, I did too. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I can remember some of the skits. So yeah. there was one of them where Steve Gutenberg, I'm sure you love Mr. Steve Gutenberg yeah. from uh, Three Diner? Men and a Baby. Diner? Diner, yes. Yeah. Um, he goes to pick up Rosanna Arquette. Yeah. For a blind date. Yes. And before they leave. Yes. I remember the scene. And okay. they start they start checking each other's yeah. uh yeah, yeah. yes, she, yes. She, she, background check. She she, she asked for two pieces of ID. Yeah, she starts rattling <laughs> off things that he's done. <laughs> so it's that's right. It's I remember 1987. That. Wow. And, and now they're cut and it, it, the line that made me laugh was he goes, I don't want a bank loan. Just want to take you out. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that line. So she starts reading results to him. Yes. Does the name Debbie Rothenberg mean anything to you? Oh, yeah, sure. I think we've been out a couple times. Uh, uh, you slept with her on the second date and then you never called her again. <laughs> I mean, it's like absurd things like that that she has on a, I remember a the full scene. printout in I front of her. I remember the scene. Yes, I, could, I remember the movie. I could never get serious about someone who's selfish in bed. Who's selfish in bed? How would you describe a man satisfies his own needs and rolls over and goes to sleep? I never did that in my life. 11 times. You want names and dates? <laughs> it's so funny, right? I mean, like, it's absurd, but... The Amazon women on We the might be there. I mean, like, what if there's a comment section for, like, every candidate on Tinder? This guy was an a-hole. We went Dutch or whatever. We could almost... We I mean, what, whatever. He, he made me pay. I don't know. I can't believe that we're almost there. Like, I, I used to laugh. I love this movie. I laughed my I ass off. I remember that movie. And how silly... I mean, Maybe she wasn't in it. Maybe Sybil Danning wasn't in it. It's a lot of people. She, I remember, she might have been I remember in it. that movie. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry. I this, remember laughing like hell oh, at that movie. Hilarious. Yeah. The statistics don't paint the picture of a mature man. <laughs> <laughs> 12 times you ignored your date at a party to flirt with a more attractive woman. Oh, uh, God, we're almost there. All right, you do yours. I'm going to see if Sybil I'm done. Danning I'm done. I only have the two final RIPs, and I thought you were going to talk about one of them. Um, the, the, the drummer, right? Everybody's uh, talking uh, about the drummer. He's 50 years old. Yeah. I have three, actually. I've got Madeleine Albright at yeah. 84. Go ahead. Do Madeleine Albright. Well, first female secretary under, I think, Bill Clinton, yeah. Secretary of State, 1997. She, uh, she served in that capacity until 2001 Yeah. Uh, when Clinton left office, dead at the age of 84. She had a very personal connection to the honors, or the honors, the opposite, the horrors of fascism, having been born to a father who was forced to flee his homeland of Czechoslovakia when the Nazis oh, invaded in 1939. I don't know that. And her family emigrated to the U.S. in 1948. So, and Barack Obama awarded her the Medal of Freedom, the country's highest civilian honor. So rest in peace to Madeleine Albright. Which two do you have? And then I have another one. So this is interesting. I think you're going to dig this. Florida Atlantic softball coach, yes. Joan Joyce. 90 years old. Died on the day that we're recording this. I saw that on TV today. The only coach in the program's 28-year history. Yes, passed away on Saturday, actually. The Saturday. school okay. said. Now, the thing she was unquestionably asked. Oh, she was on the L- LPGA Tour, by the I, way. I saw that on the note. Yeah, I don't yeah. know much about her. Yes. And uh, so, but the thing she's unquestionably asked most about in her life was the 1961 exhibition in Waterbury, Connecticut, in which she struck out Ted Williams, the last MLB player to bat 400 in a season. She struck out Ted Williams. That's the last thing that she's known for. Now, I couldn't find out if she was pitching him softballs 
I think she was throwing overhand, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, she says wherever she went, no matter what she did, how great her Good softball, her. she struck out Ted Williams. Struck That's out Ted Williams. goddamn cool thing, huh? Nobody struck out Ted Williams. Yeah, it wasn't too many. All right, I'll put it off long enough. Yes. The drummer for the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins, passed I don't know anything away. about him, so tell me about him. So Taylor was, he was, the, so Dave Grohl, as you know, was the drummer for Nirvana. That you know very well, I'm sure. Yes. Three years later, he comes out with his own band where Dave's now the singer and the guitar player, not the drummer, but he has to go find a drummer. So he gets this guy, Taylor. Taylor's like, to play drums, I was trying to come up with a, with a parallel for you, like to, to play drums for Dave Grohl's band, like it'd be so nerve wracking. Because when, when Axl Rose met Taylor, he said, what's it like being the drummer for the best drummer of the 90s? Because it's like, and the fact that Taylor could do it, and he was a heavyweight drummer and uh, he passed away in Columbia. What happened? Well, they found some stuff in his room and uh, in his system when he passed away, including traces of marijuana, tricyclic antidepressants, benzodiazepines, which is Xanax and Valium, opioids, among others. So, uh, so he overdosed. They, they didn't want to call it that necessarily, but oh. yeah, and sometimes you can get a lethal connection. My sister, who's a nurse, said you never want to mix your Zs and your Ps, the opiates and the benzos. I think that's what took Heath Ledger. A lot of people, they, that combo is just lethal. So I don't know if it was necessarily an overdose. It could have just been the, who knows? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Taylor, I mean. Really accomplished guy. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the yeah. band. Yeah. Uh, they, they paid tribute to Rush. They inducted Rush into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they had on these white kimonos, the same ones that Rush wore on the yeah. back of 2112. So they had like good senses of humor. They had wigs on and Taylor had a, he had Barry Gibb on his bass drum because he loved disco. And he just seemed like a cool, fun guy who never took himself too serious. And you know, he's got a, I always think about the wife telling the three kids, like oh. that's some conversation you wake up to, right? So he had three kids, Oliver, Annabelle, and Everly. Oh. And then I think about Dave Grohl who went through Kurt killing himself, right? I mean, you're the drummer for the biggest band in the world, arguably in 94. And then like, now what am I going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do now? What band am I going to join now? And then he went and started his own. And then you, you find Taylor who's like his, you know, his, uh, just his, his cohort, his blood brother. They're going to do this together forever. And then he's just gone one day, 50, 50, man. So anyway, big loss to the music world. So sad. Taylor Hawkins, just heavyweight drummer mm. and just seemed like a really, really cool, mm. cool guy. You know, he was the drummer for Alanis Morissette. I didn't know that. Oh. And for Sass Jordan, who's a Canadian singer. So he had substance abuse issues in the past. He survived a 2001 heroin overdose. And yeah, it's just uh, it's a sad thing that those uh, those drugs will get you. I mean, it's just it's a demon that's just hard to kick. You think at 50 wife and kids, maybe you got your act to get right. I mean, just couldn't couldn't kick it. And being a being a rock star, I mean, they might be the biggest band of the world right now. Still, is that right? I mean, if you I want don't to, even know that the Stones, maybe, but yeah, they they come to Seattle, they play like Lumen Field or Safeco, like they sell it out. You know, those sell out anywhere. They're supposed to headline a show Sunday in Columbia, and uh, yeah, they're they're back in L.A. now. Like, forget it. What are we gonna do now? So awful. I know. It's just crazy at fifty. So yeah, now now we get to do jokes. Yes, <clears throat> an, yeah. Ast an Australian mom. Yes. Has revealed that she's earned a quarter of a million dollars by sharing photos of her pregnant belly and her lack and her lactating online in a bid to try and give her kids a better life. Finally, my dream come true. People paying money to see an enormous belly. <laughs> I could make some money. I don't blame her. Why not milk it for all it's worth? A Taiwan-based medical <laughs> supply company 
A medical supply company in Taiwan broke a record by creating a massive surgical mask, 50 times larger than the average mask. Stop it. Don't you do it. When you start talking about big masks, are you coming at me? Podcaster Mitch Levy was quoted as saying, any extras? Migrating crabs. <laughs> no bell, no like nothing. Out a mile away. No, I just. <laughs> Migrating crabs. Yes. Around Cuba's Bay of Pigs have emerged early and in unprecedented swarms. Crabs are migrating around the Bay of Pigs, also known as the dorms in college. A Virginia fire station, a Virginia fire station experienced a miniature baby boom when three firefighters became dads at the same hospital within 24 hours. That must have been one hell of a fireman's picnic last summer. And finally, a British woman who broke a Guinness World Record by eating 19 chicken McNuggets in 60 seconds. I was thinking 19 in 60 seconds. I could find five Americans right now at Walmart who could kick that record's ass without question. 19. Uh, Not impressed. Yeah. Episode 184. Any final remarks? Watch the David Letterman concert that you sent out. You did? The musical. What'd you think about that song? Have you ever heard it or no? Yeah, I think I'd heard it. Yeah, it was kind the of Wilson, The Wilsons and... Uh, yeah, so it's the Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters and the Wilsons, right? And the Wilsons, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so the Foo Fighters did this... Now it's probably great to watch this series where they go from city to city and they talk to people from that city. Anyway, I forgot what it's called, but it's like they, they tour around and, and yeah. so Letterman had them on and then the, with, with a Seattle flair because they, they came to Seattle to do one. Anyway, it's pretty cool. It's the Foo Fighters and and Nancy Wilson and Taylor Hawkins kills it on drums. I love that performance. You called it tight. Well, that's I not I don't even a, know what that means. That's that's not just a straightforward one tempo through the song. It's a lot of stops and starts and... And that, that's not a Foo Fighters song. It's a heart song. So the fact that they played it so well, and I don't know, it's just cool. If you're from Seattle, like, you know, Pat Smear, one of the guitar players, he, he was actually in Nirvana. He's like a touring member. And then yeah. one of the guys in Foo Fighters is from Wenatchee. And then Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. You know, and then and Ann and Nancy are like the big sisters. Anyway, cool video. I tweeted it out if you want to go see it. Love Episode it. 184, ladies and gentlemen, now in the books.